106 miles to Chicago. We got a full tank of gas, half a pack of cigarettes. It's dark, and we're wearing sunglasses. Hit it. I made it clear to President Putin in a manner very different from my predecessor that the days of the United States rolling over in the face of Russia's aggressive actions, interfering with our elections, cyber attacks, poisoning its citizens are over. Hello there. <laughs> I'm a communist. Now I know a lot of people freak out when the word communism is mentioned. <laughs> I mean, an ideology that's killed over 100 million people in the last 100 years. But the communism we're implementing here in America is different. You see, we here in America are following the teachings of Karl Marx. <laughs> the others were just doing it wrong. It's going to be totally different this time around. <laughs> this time, we're going to abolish individual rights. And we believe it's completely absurd that children should inherit what their parents have worked for. <laughs> Everybody should inherit that wealth. It's all about community. Communism, <laughs> community, you get it? Yeah. There is no God. I mean, let's just get that silly idea out of the way. <laughs> okay. Government is God. We've pretty much taken over everything. <laughs> your media, your press, your schools, your churches, <laughs> your government. I mean, at this point, it's, it's really would be very difficult to stop us. We actually think the Communist Party of China is a great example of doing it right. <laughs> a lot of us here are connected to the Communist Party of China. Now, it's common to have a few dissidents when communism is implemented. So we might have to have, you know, a few re-education camps pop up throughout the U.S. No big deal. If some refuse to be re-educated, then, you know, they might have to leave the earth a little earlier than planned. Of course, there will be a small select group of people that will decide what is best for the community. I mean, we need to have some order. <laughs> I would be in that group, <laughs> along with some others, some other people that, you know, know what's best for you. <laughs> and the rest of you, oh, the precious rest of you, We'll be happy to commune and share. It's all about sharing, okay? Sharing is caring. <laughs> and if you don't want to share, <laughs> let's not get too detailed. Our current White House press secretary, Jen Psaki, cannot do her job, so instead, she circles back. I can, I'll circle back if there's more I can share with you, but I'll circle back if there's more to convey. Um, I'll have to just circle back with you. We can circle back. I'm happy to circle back. I can circle back. I will have to circle back on that one, but I'll have to circle back. We'll circle back, circle back, certainly circle back. I will have to circle back on that one. I hate to disappoint you, but I will have to circle back with you on that as well. Now she finally did decide to circle back Jen Psaki. She circles back. I often circles back. I'm going to circle back. Jen Psaki. I'll circle back if there's more I can share with you, but I'll circle back if there's more to convey. Um, I'll have to just circle back with you. We can circle back. I'm happy to circle back. I can circle back. I will have to circle back on that one, but I'll have to circle back. We'll circle back, circle back, certainly circle back. 
I will have to circle back on that one. I hate to disappoint you, but I will have to circle back with you on that as well. I'll circle back. Now she finally I'll did decide to circle, circle back. back. Gen circle back. Um, uh, um, I'll have to just. I will have to circle back on that one. I hate to disappoint you, but I will have to circle back with you on that as well. I will have to circle back on that one. I will have to circle back on that one. Now she finally did decide. I hate to disappoint you, but I will have to circle back with you on that as well. Yeah, you're gonna go circle back now because we all made fun of you because you never circled back. That's what we we made you do this. We conservatives of Twitter. Good day to you. This is Lou Benninger, and <clears throat> this is No Hostages Radio. This is our uh, 98th telecast episode, and it is uh, February 13, <clears throat> 2021. Uh, since I'm never quite sure how you got to us, I always like to mention there is a website, nohostagesradio.com that has a lot of articles I've written and the past episodes going all back to episode number one from 98. So you can check that out. And if somebody says, oh, you should have listened to this, <clears throat> there is a description on some of the high points of that episode you can follow. Or you can just, uh, as you may have figured out, gone to your podcast source and just put in No Hostages Radio. You can reach me by uh, emailing me at lou, L-O-U, at nohostagesradio.com. Lou at nohostagesradio.com. <clears throat> you can dial me up at 530-713-1838, or you can text that number. Uh, I am on the left coast in Northern California, and you can... Uh, so you might be sensitive to that time. I will try to answer the call 24 hours a day because that's for a program I run called Trauma Intervention. Uh, <clears throat> but if you get a message, just leave a, leave a message. Uh, if you get a uh, voicemail, just leave a message, and I will call you right back. I don't screen calls even if you got <clears throat> an axe to grind with me. So that's fine. Um, also, a change that's happened is... Uh, I'm now, uh, a friend of mine put up a Facebook page called Live with Lou, which is the name of a program that I did for five or six years on the radio. It was a live program, uh, AM, FM, locally here in Northern California. It didn't have a big reach, but it did reach the local folks up here, and uh, it was called Live with Lou. So um, I am no longer writing for the Territorial Dispatch uh which is a weekly up here, and I've written, I don't know, 800, 1,000 articles, something for, like that over the years. And I'm no longer doing that, but I'm posting articles on Facebook at the website or the uh, Facebook site or Facebook page, Live with Lou. And I'm also putting the podcasts over there, 
if you want to reach out and get the podcast there as opposed to on the uh, your podcast source or off my website. So we now have three different spots you can get the podcast. And I did that because of <clears throat> I, I w- wondered what I was going to do. I don't write for any other newspaper, so I've written for this newspaper many years, two, two articles a week, and uh, now that ended. So uh, my friends wanted me to continue writing, and so we just needed a place to, to stash the articles so people could get to them and read them. It also makes it easy way for if you want to share one, you could, you could uh, cut and paste it or you can just share it directly off Facebook. You could cut and paste it into your, uh, uh, your in, into an email, for instance, or any other kind of a platform. Uh, you can do that, of course, off my website as well. I think so. Anyhow, I'm just giving you some more options. It just changes over in this area, and uh, I think things are going to be changing anyway on how we communicate. Some of my friends don't don't think my articles will last long on Facebook since they're blocking a lot of articles that talk about subjects that Facebook doesn't want you to talk about. So uh, it may just be short-lived on Facebook, and then we will move on to another platform that uh, is not so picky about what you talk about. I don't know where that's going to be yet, but at least we're we're gathering the troops together that are interested in those articles, and we're gathering to, them together on Facebook. Or you could go simply if you want to skip Facebook and you know how to get to the website, nohostagesradio.com. You can get them there as well each week. And I don't think we'll have get booted off of a website right now. But Facebook may go. A lot of my friends have been uh, kicked completely off Facebook or been blocked. Most of what they say get blocked. Or one friend got eliminated off YouTube. A lot of his speaking is covered on YouTube. YouTube didn't like what he had to say, so they said, you no longer can play in our sandbox, so to speak. So um, so those are a few changes. And, and so I, there's a couple articles posted there at Live with Lou right now. Uh, one is on Black Lives Matter, and uh, and the title of it is Black Lives Don't Matter to Blacks. And the other article is uh, Dr. Lou is No Health Officer. Uh, so those are there that now and a couple other news items. So this also gives me the advantage of posting articles sooner or later than I than I did for the newspaper. Or putting up short things that may be piece of information or announcements that uh, would be important to you. Uh, so, anyway, I'll, I'll leave that right there. Um, trying to think what else if I need to tell you to kick this all off today. Uh, okay. I'm just something I need to do here. All right, so from the start here, I wanted to just bring you back to recall Gavin Newsom. There, there's a lot of news about the recall right now because supposedly there's been enough signatures turned in uh, to meet the one point, about just under 1.5 million signatures needed. However, you're not going to get 100% approval on those signatures, so we expect a bunch of those to be declined. And therefore, we're continuing on getting signatures. And so a couple of days ago, I was got a text from my goddaughter who was working with a friend of mine 
and they were up in Nevada County in Northern California in the Penn Valley area. And I don't know what, they didn't state where they were, but it was probably some sort of in front of a mini mall or strip mall or something, place where people frequented. And they said within 30 or 40 minutes, about an hour or something, they had 50 signatures. People were like standing in line to sign that recall petition, which is good news. But I think then they were asked to leave. And uh, But the good news is they got 50 more signatures. Now, if everybody went out and uh, went to Recall Gavin 2020 or 2020, uh, uh you could uh, then um, print off a, a signature sheet or a petition, and you could sign up your friends. And before long, you could get your 50 signatures as well. Uh, so I just want to encourage you to do that. Some of my friends have taken me up. They've been listening to the podcast, and and uh, we need to do more than just sign the petition. One of my friends is going to every public official and challenging them to sign the petition. And it's really just it's it's. Uh, I think we're gonna we're gonna get enough signatures eventually to recall or to put him on the ballot, Newsom. Whether we win the recall election, I don't know, but. My friend Gary is going to all the politicians, all the city council members and the boards of supervisors, the different supervisors, and ask them, asking them to sign it. Well, they're asking them, did you sign it? Would you sign it? And the spineless bunch that they are, it's hard to get even a straight answer. Isn't it pitiful? Pitiful. And so, uh, but he's working on that angle to try to get those people to take a stand and be a constitutional uh representative not just a a go for for the governor so you can make a difference people say oh my vote doesn't count i'm telling you what every signature you get on that petition is going to count and it's going to count by putting the governor who is off the hook crazy he's just not doing making bad decisions this guy is crazy i don't know whether he's demonized because his really weird sexual views and political views but he's not thinking straight, and uh, he's kind of maniacal. So uh, you can have, you, for instance, if you could go out and vote 100 times, would you? Well, if you get out, go out and get 99 signatures plus yours, that means you voted 100 times to put him on the ballot to get rejected, kicked off being governor. We could do it. We can really do it. But you got to do something. I'm asking you to not just sit on your butt and whine or wonder what's going on, but get it on and make a difference. So, uh, all right, that's that. And recall Gavin 2020. Now, the other thing I wanted to mention is something that's coming up that it's one of my favorite people, couples, Dave and Leslie Green. It's G-R-E-E-N-E-T-Z green with etz on the end and uh, we have known each other for over 40 years and they have turned out to be an amazing couple he's a contractor i I talk about him on the the show here quite a bit that he's a top-notch best of the best uh bathroom remodeler of all types but bathroom and kitchens and door entryways and but his wife is an amazing artist, 
painter and musician and writer and uh, just all-around artistic genius. Her mom was a sculptor or is a sculptor. Her dad was a, a professional woodwind player, saxophone, clarinet, flute. They're, they just got more talent than they got. Sometimes you just wonder why life isn't so fair because they seem like they got all the talent. But what they've done is put it to use without going after and trying to make a million dollars. They've they've served the public. And so Leslie Green, it's for about uh, seemed like 30 years now or so, has done plays. She's written plays, produced plays, directed plays. And uh, most of them are original scripts and have original music. And so they've been doing a couple plays a year out at uh, the Embassy Theater at the Church of Glad Tiding Campus in Yuba City at 1179 Eager Road. Um, And so sometimes they're fundraisers. Usually the plays are completely free. And uh, they're, they're the highest attended plays in the Yuba Sutter County's area. And we have a junior college here and uh, we have a private play company here. We used to before COVID, but we've just continued to do plays. And so uh, they announced the Greenitzes announced that they are going to do a dinner theater. I'm not, I, I don't have all the details. I think there's still some of the details are being constructed, but there's a uh, dinner theater coming up and it's, it's a fundraiser. Uh, they give all the money away, but I don't know who they're going to uh, benefit with the fundraiser. But the the thing that caught my attention is many years ago, they wrote a play called Choices, and uh, it was a dinner theater, and it was just, it really caught my attention, and I just, uh, I was really taken by the play. And all the plays have been good over the years. Some some are just really touching and... and uh, exciting but choices was a good very good play for me and it it spoke to me and so they're doing it again and it's been a, it seemed like it's been 15 or 20 years but i could be wrong but it's going to be uh, so what i know is that it's coming up on april 21 22 23 if you want to go to a dinner theater they do sell individual tickets and i'm not even sure quite of the the exact price they're going to sell all the tickets. I'm going to give you a ballpark figure because you might be starting to think about it. So that's a Thursday night, Friday night, and I think Saturday night, um, April 21, 22, 23. And um, so you, you can, there's tables of 10. I'm just going to scroll down here and check April 21, 22. Oh, wait a minute. April 21, 22 23 that's tuesday that's wednesday thursday and friday april 21 22 23 is wednesday thursday and friday so what they're going to do it looks to me they're they're discussing having a cheaper uh, entry fee for the tables and individuals on wednesday and, and thursday and a higher price on friday so one price was $200 for a table of 10, and the other is $300 for a table of 10 for the Friday night. So what this is is you get a full-blown uh, creative play all done with uh, amazing actors, actresses, musicians, uh, original music, and and you get a multi-course dinner with dessert, coffee, tea, the whole thing. 
amazing. All decorated building. It's it's a fun night. It's a, something you could take your business associates to or some of your, if you want to bless the, your office staff. It's a really great night. And uh, they'll probably sell out all three nights. Uh, even though they're given a, I don't know whether they even needed a discount, but I'm not correct criticizing that it's just that good and uh some people buy a couple tables so let me tell you about it it's a journey through time to glimpse the choices like we all make choices right you got some bad choices you made and some good choices you made and so-so choices and you you didn't know it when you made them maybe but then down the road you thought oh man i wish i had that choice back so choices is a journey through time to glimpse the choices of adam and eve noah Esther, Jonah, Abraham Lincoln, Abraham Lincoln, Adolf Hitler, and many more. And, as, and Leslie writes, we of all God's creation are given free will to choose. Our choices are often insignificant, but sometimes have monumental consequences that affect not only our lives, but the lives of those around us. This collection of stories examines some big history-making choices and gives us a chance to consider the privilege and responsibility we exercise each day with the choices we make. So it examines the choices they made and the consequences, and then it also kind of, they replay it, and then it shows what if they had made a different choice, what kind of consequences would that choice have had? It's a fascinating play. In fact, one of them that really got my attention was a, was a guy came in, in the play and held up a convenience store and they showed how it turned out. And then they showed what, if somebody had intervened and done something, something, how it would have changed everybody's lives that crisscrossed that day. It's a really fascinating deal. But the cool thing is you get to have a night out. Uh, you don't have to wear a mask if you don't want to, hardly anybody will be, we don't forbid it, but it'll be, uh, uh, you know, just be a great night it'll you won't regret it so that's april 21 22 23 and you will um that's wednesday thursday and friday night starts at 6 30 at night 1179 eager road just north of yuba city you can ride off highway 99 or off live oak boulevard so if you want more information or tickets you call 530 530-671-3160 530-671-3160 we haven't even done the advertisements yet this is the first one. So things will firm up on the price and all that kind of stuff. And they'll have it on the church of glad tidings website, I'm sure. And so I'll, I'll leave you with that. So, uh, please do something on the recall. It let's, let's see if we can get a different governor, right? We can start there. There's a lot of changes we need to make in our state and we're working really hard locally in Yuba Sutter counties to, to develop, legitimate constitutional counties and we got a good start here because we have two sheriffs brandon barnes and sutter and wendell anderson and yuba that are constitutional sheriffs that means they really protect the people at, at that if if any outsider including a state or federal agency is violating the constitution they're going to go with the constitution that's our commitment to us so uh, in fact we may even get them out to this uh play I may get some tables and have those guys come and sit one of my tables. But uh, it's a fun night to just go bless people. You got some money and do, just turn people on to some get, a fun night and, and good food and and have a great old time. Uh, okay, so we're coming kind of to the end of our first section here. 
and I'm just kind of getting over to where I want to be to start. And um, so I saw this billboard that just rocked my world. In fact, I think I'm going to try to reproduce it. And I don't know who produced it, but there's a there's a logo for the National Rifle Association. And next to the logo to the right on this billboard, it says this organization does not sell arms. And then right underneath the logo for the National Rifle Association, there's a logo for Planned Parenthood. And then to the right of that logo, it says this one does. So in other words, the one organization, this organization does not sell arms. That would be NRA. And in Planned Parenthood, this one does. And what I love about it, because I've, I've been in the billboard business for since 1981, when you can get a billboard that has a double meaning like that, arms being we don't sell arms, and you think, oh, we're talking about weapons. And then you go down to Planned Parenthood and says this one does, and you realize that you're talking about babies' arms that are being sold. Uh, so anyway, great billboard. And I may, I may see if I can put that up, it'd be so fun. And it, it's very catchy and it's mentally stimulating. So it helps it. People remember it and it has some shock value, right? You never did. Did you ever think you were going to see a day in America when we actually not only sold, you know, we used to go out to wrecking yards and we used to buy parts off cars cause you can get them cheaper there. And, uh, but whoever thought we'd be selling pieces, parts of people right? Selling babies parts. You board them, but then, then you just, that's not enough. Now we're going to actually sell their, their little parts. Shameful, just shameful. We'll be right back. We, this is six segments of 20 minutes a piece. We're just finishing the first one. We're going to have a few minutes of uh, not advertisement, but a few minutes of clips that are very educational and interesting. And uh, that's why I have them there for you. We'll be right back. Thank you for listening. Chella Luna Metsimara, Mamma Mimma Maradare. Fig me a putterara, Mamma Mepan Sachadu. Sitterunia Vishaolo, Ideva, Idevena, Semper Pacalara, Mana Vene. You're going to run the Department of Education. You've got no problem with it. Um, that concerns me. And I, I think it's this kind of thing is going to lead to really just the vast majority of America just wondering who are these people that think it's okay? From what planet are you from? I mean, to think it's okay that boys would compete with girls in a track meet, that that somehow would be fair. Um, I wonder where feminists are on this. I wonder where the people who supported women's sports are on this. I mean, we all going to be okay with hulking six foot four guys, you know, wrestling against girls, do it, you know, it just makes no sense whatsoever. And so I think the fact that you seem to be afraid to answer the question, or you basically do answer the question by saying it's okay without saying it's okay, really is a statement to a, a real problem we have and uh, a disconnect between what middle America and what most Americans actually believe. I even think most Democrats don't believe girls should run in the, in the boys' track meet. Uh, you know, boys should run in the girls' track meet. So I'm disappointed in the answer, and uh, I just can't imagine that we're going to have a policy like that nationally. 
Guess what else is racist, according to an op-ed written by a public school teacher for the San Francisco Chronicle? Bernie Sanders inauguration mittens. Why? Because Bernie didn't make enough effort in choosing his outfit and this distracted from honouring the diversity of the event. Yeah, really. She actually said that. Wait, I can do you one better still. Now, acronyms are racist. The San Francisco Unified School District Arts Department has announced that Acronyms are a symptom of white supremacy culture because non-English speakers find them hard to understand. So they changed their name from VAPA, short for Visual and Performing Arts, to SFUSD Arts Department. Which is still an acronym. Now I know this is an outlandish claim, but maybe, just maybe, None of this is racist, and all these people are just inventing utter bullshit out of thin air. So they can cynically grift off of creating more division and more polarization in- Good morning. I'm gonna take my mask off. I'm gonna take my mask off. I was wearing a mask. Lots of women, we've got lots of- got lots of diversity. We've got lots of women, lots of diversity. Just- just- Okay, and with that, I will take your questions. Yes, Cynthia. Oh, Jen, first of all, I just have to say, I love your hair. I love it. I just love it. And I think I speak for all of us, or almost all of us, when I say we are so happy that you're back. It's just, we just do so much. It is good to be back, okay? The swamp loves me, and I love the swamp. Uh, next question, Paul. Yes, within the first week of, of President Biden's administration, he canceled the construction of the Keystone Pipeline, resulting in thousands of people losing their jobs. Uh, any response to the to the people that are now hurting from this executive order? I have that somewhere in, in my. Just hold on. Um, you know, I'm gonna have to circle back to you. I'll circle back to you on that. So you have no response to the thousands of Americans that are now unable to put food on their table for their families due to this executive order. I can't, um, I will circle back on that, but I'll tell you this, I'll tell you this, we have a lot of diversity here. And we have the first woman in the treasury. Uh, so, uh, next question. With the new administration, is there a new chef in the White House? And if so, what is President Biden's favorite meal? We do have a new chef at the White House. And President Biden's favorite meal is oatmeal. <laughs> and he has it right after his morning nap. It's just precious. Uh, wait, I'm sorry. I, I just have to interject here really quick. Uh, did you just say that the president is taking a nap? I am I'm reviewing his schedule here and it says that he's working from 10 a.m. to 2 p.m. Uh, during the day. At this, this also includes a nap? I don't think focusing on his schedule is what we should be focusing on, okay? I think it's important to note that we have the first female scheduler since January 20th, 2021. Next question. Uh, people, New Yorkers, I don't know if you've heard, but Governor Cuomo said that the indoor dining will not presume on Valentine's Day. Instead, it will presume earlier this Friday, a couple days before, because he spoke to the COVID monster and the COVID monster told him, you know what? I'm sick of giving everyone COVID. I'm going to stay away from the restaurants. You know what? You can open up. Look, 25% in on Friday instead of Sunday. I'll I'll stay back. I'll go hide somewhere else. Don't worry. Just open the restaurants then. We know you were going to do Sunday, but Friday. Friday's a good day. 
the f- where do these fucking people get their fly-by-night rules from? How come we couldn't open up last week? How come it's Friday? It was Valentine's Day. Now it's Friday. It's like there's a schedule of when the COVID's going to fly around and infect everybody. Get the fuck out of here. This is nuts. Absolutely insane. All right, well, we're back with you. And uh, as I mentioned before on this podcast, I I don't know whether I'm a God follower. And uh, I don't know whether God just gave me insight or gave me the answer. But as soon as COVID happened and they began telling us, instead of just saying, take good care of yourself. They said, you got to wear a mask. You can't go to work. You got to stay in your house and you got to stay six feet, minimum six feet apart. I thought, you know, something does something, this, this stinks. This doesn't pass the smell test. And from the very beginning, I felt deep down in my knower of knowers that this was a, a lie, a fraud, and it was there's something evil about it. And I've been proven right, or the thought has been proven right. I'm not saying that the thought even originated with me. Could have been a God thought. And so to watch these supposed medical leaders like Tony Fauci and Deborah Burks and these people and the CDC and the World Health Organization – CDC stands for Centers for Disease Control. Did you know that the WHO and the CDC are private entities? They are not government entities. And they make billions of dollars off the government. So both these agencies lied from the very beginning, WHO and CDC. And from the very beginning, there was a mixed message. There was constant mixed messages everywhere. It's almost like there was a psychological game being played on the minds of the American people. And so Tony Fauci would come out and say, yeah, I don't see any need to wear a mask. Then he comes out and says, oh, you, yeah, you definitely got to wear a mask. And it, it helps. Then other times he said, it kind of helps. And then he kind of, then he says, well, really, it's really more, more virtuous, it's just showing you virtuous and you care about the other person, even though it's not really making a difference. Now, the recent thing is he's come up and he said, along with the CDC, they begin recommending wearing two masks. Now, I, w- I just left a trauma intervention meeting tonight uh, over at the Yuba County Sheriff's Department. We we worked, we were using a room they have. And the, the Sheriff's Department is a multi-story building, two stories, and it's quite high. And the dispatch center and the community room are in the second story. And so there's a lot of steps. There might be 18, 20 steps to get up into the second story. It's quite a quite a little climb if you're not used to it. So one of our tip volunteers came in, and she had a mask wrapped around her face, a fabric mask. And that thing was, you know how when wind hits a sail, it bellow, billows? 
Well, every time she would breathe out, it would billow out. And it, then she would suck in trying to get enough air and it would kind of go into her mouth a little bit. And I thought she was going to have a heart attack. And so, uh, uh, so I finally just said, will you take that mask off, girl? I think I'm going to have to knock you down and do CPR on you. Uh, but she just had one mask and she was huffing and puffing after climbing up those ch- stairs. She wasn't getting enough oxygen. Now, the, there, there are no studies. Are you with me now? There are no studies that say that masks prevent a cor- the coronavirus or any old virus from getting in your nose. The only way to keep the virus from getting in your nose is, is to sew, is to quit sucking in oxygen. That's a foolproof way is to drop dead. Quit breathing, right? So I saw one doctor, you know, there's been so many analogies. One doctor said the other day, I saw him talking about, he said, it's like a chain link fence. We've used the chain link fence analogy before and the mosquito trying to get through a chain link fence and, and the, and the chain link fence is your mask and the mosquito is a virus. Do you think a chain link fence is going to be tough on a mosquito? Not really. So he used sand like sand is the virus. These little particles of sand. And sand, the sand particle is the virus particles, okay? And you throw the sand at the fence. And he says nearly every grain of sand is going to go through the chain link fence. Some will hit the little wires and bounce off. He said that's about all that you're getting out of the mask. It's just a big waste. So now Tony Fauci is saying, well, if one mask isn't so hot, two masks is better and so there's there's a meme of a photo of of Tony Fauci on the internet, uh, and it was created into a meme, M E M E, and they had about eight or ten masks stacked out off his face. Like, hey, if two masks is better, six masks is better, eight masks is better. It's just a bunch of baloney, is what it is. And uh, so it just shows the arbitrary nature. And the duplicity and the fraud and the lies that these people are contending. And when they keep having to say, you know, it's kind of like when I was in the radio business, you know, a radio station would come out and they'd say, they'd take, buy a billboard and they'd do a billboard campaign and they'd say, we're number one, you know, KBA, we're number one, number one radio station in the North Valley, da 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 da. When people or, or they advertise a restaurant and said, this is the best food in town. Generally, determining who's number one and who's got the best food is up to the consumer and the public, not a, up to the owner of the restaurant. And so when, when you hear the CDC and who and Fauci and all these nonsensical Fra- Frankenstein-type scientists, when they, you keep hearing them say, we're following the science on masks, social distancing, and, and uh, self-isolation. When they keep saying that they're following the science, that means they are not following the science. There is no science. Otherwise, you wouldn't even have to say they're following the science because they would just tell you something that's really going to help you and be honest about it. 
So this one guy writing today says, we already know based on objective, impartial, empirical data that there is effectively no difference in COVID case counts and hospitalizations and deaths in states that mandate masks and business shutdowns, such as North Dakota, versus states which do not, which is South Dakota. So South Dakota stayed open under Governor Kristi Noem, and they didn't tell people to wear masks. They said, use your own judgment, study the, the, the situation, use your own judgment. They did not mandate social distancing. They, I don't even think they shut down their schools over there, didn't shut down their businesses, and they, they didn't have any worse health issues than the folks right to the north of them that did mandate all that kind of stuff. So the CDC is just another, I've seen people with two masks. I think for goodness sakes, you're going to drop dead. So anyway, they go on here to talk about all the different types of masks. You know, CDC is going to recommend wear two masks or specifically a cloth mask over a medical mask to slow the spread. The way they talk about slowing the spread is they're talking almost about it like it's a smallpox or cholera or polio. This is the yearly cold. And if you'll notice, there has, they say, oh, 100 has been 140 or a couple hundred thousand deaths from COVID. The fact is they're, they're lying no matter what part of this COVID thing you look at. They have lied and cheated and smeared everybody. So they keep saying it's a deadly and dangerous cold, a da- dangerous disease. It's a common cold. The, the common cold has been referred to by scientists as COVID for I don't know how long. It's common knowledge, COVID. It's just a scientific term they labeled it with. And nobody has gone out to try to create a vaccine because it's impossible. You can't create a vaccine to deal with the common cold because it's constantly mutating. And the fact is, there isn't any need for, like, Dr. Merritt, who's more more, uh, intelligent than Fauci and Deborah Burks put together— she brought up the fact that you don't need to create a vaccine for something you can treat with medicine. Why do that? Why go through all the danger and inject a bunch of crap into people's bodies and go through all the cost? Who do you think paid for the entire cost to create a vaccine? You think Pfizer did? You think Moderna did? No way. The federal government is funding all these, this research and development, and they, there's no way they can do it even though they called it warp speed and celebrated, I would not, I would not, they'd have to knock me out and and tie me down to shoot me with that thing and put all that crap on my body. It's dangerous. Did you know that it killed Hank Aaron, the famous uh, baseball player that broke Lou Gehrig's, or excuse me, Babe Ruth's home run record? Hank Aaron. As soon as he took it, within two weeks he was dead. And he was healthy before that. It wasn't like he was in the hospital. He took he took the the vaccine and died. All kinds of people are dying all over the United States, plus people are having all kinds of funky reactions to it. It's a bad deal. It is not a good vaccine. 
thousands of doctors are saying that, not just left wing or right wing or any wing. Uh, it says there are multiple ways to achieve better fit of masks to more effectively slow the spread of da-da-da. It's just a bunch of baloney. Listen, people, if you could see into the germ realm, it's kind of like dogs can hear better than we can, we can hear. They start howling about something. You can't even hear what's going on. It's in the supernatural realm. And in the same way that dogs can hear things that you can't and before you can, the microscope can see viruses that are throughout the environment that has nothing to do with social distancing. In fact, the COVID virus, the little wet particles minuscule can't even see them they travel not six feet they travel over 90 feet nine over nine zero feet almost a hundred feet that's how far they travel so if you want to separate people in grocery lines a hundred feet then you might be keeping them from getting covid but you're not doing anything at six feet particularly when they all turn and touch on the same little keypad to do their debit withdrawals or whatever they call it Okay, so this whole thing about masks is a total fraud. It's a lie. They're trying to manipulate people to submit to control. And if for all you God followers out there, God never intended you to cover your face up. It's the window to your soul. The eyes are the window to the soul. I see people every day. Hi, Lou, how's it going? Because I don't wear a mask. I said, can't tell who you are. Oh, yeah, that's who you are. I see who you are now can't tell who you are right it's making us all robots and controlling us it's an act of control so uh back back to masks here i uh, this is just another complete fiasco what they're doing is just keeping people jumping and and getting confused and they never can get on solid ground they're constantly in an uproar and fighting with each other. I just saw a video on YouTube. So despicable. Some, you know, some of these people with masks, they finally found a mission in life. And they got this Costco employee. I don't know what part of the country he was. I didn't have time to look in the details. But he is harassing this woman who's probably in her 50s. Maybe she's 60. She claims that she actually is a doctor. Her mom is in one of those scooters that you can get in the store and drive around on them and put your stuff in the basket on the front. Her mom is driving, and neither of them are willing to wear a mask. And this guy, this guy went totally ballistic on him at Costco employee and just accused him of not caring about people, accused him of going to cause a big bunch of people to get sick in Costco. You know something, people? We never worried about any of this before. Have you wondered where the flu statistics went? Have you wondered where the pneumonia statistics went? Why don't you look up on the CDC website and not get some false website that sounds like CDC, but look up the number of people that are dying. And from what? And if and look at the range look at range of years. Go back three, four, five years and look at a range of deaths. What you're gonna see is a lot of people died from pneumonia and the flu. And nobody died of COVID. They didn't even list it because it's just a common cold. 
And so the the reason you treat the common cold when you really get sick is you end up with pneumonia, right? And they, if you got a tendency towards that. So what do we got here now? We got everybody. They got the whole medical system screwed up. You can't. It's almost impossible to get in and make an appointment at a uh, at a clinic. A lot of them don't even won't even let you come in except by appointment. They only want appointments to be made by email or some kind of phone system now locally at Peachtree Clinic. Most horrible public relations. I, you know, it's amazing. Inside, there's very bright people, like scientist-type people called doctors. But the management of Peachtree Clinic is so screwed up that you could you can sit on the phone 30 or 40 people in a row. You can wait 30 or 40 ahead of you trying to make appointments. The whole system, the whole country has been the uh, the efficiencies and the advanced abilities in our country have been hijacked and destroyed and we're purposely being forced to do stupid stuff every day. Stuff that makes so, no sense. You know why? Because in torture in torture of prisoners of war, that breaks your will when things don't make sense every day. And they say, oh, now you have to wear two masks. Well, no, you don't. You don't really have to wear a mask. Well, just you, you should do it if you get together with like 50 family members, right? It's just back and forth, back and forth, just keeping everybody off. Over what? That's the survival rate is over 99%. You don't want to take a risk. You shouldn't get out of bed in the morning. You shouldn't go to sleep at night. In fact, kids that have a, a parent die in their sleep, they think, oh, well, I'm not going to go to sleep ever again because people die around here in their sleep. Doesn't You laugh about it. You think, oh, that's, that isn't logical, right? Well, your beliefs on COVID and mask, if you're not getting along, getting close to what I'm talking about, you're completely deceived. You're completely deceived. So... Um, let me read this. This is a photocopy right out of a magazine or a book. Uh, Fauci says double masking can make a difference. Then he goes one week later and he said, there's no data that indicates that double masking is going to make a difference. So I want to read you this short a bio, I think it is, on him and uh, probably 20 years ago. It says in 2008, Anthony Fauci co-authored a paper about the Spanish flu epidemic that, that, rate, that rates as the most devastating modern pandemic. It swept the entire planet in the wake of the First World War and caused millions of deaths. So in studying this major and actual pandemic, what did Dr. Fauci and his colleagues find? They discovered that most of the victims of the Spanish flu didn't die from the Spanish flu. Oh, my, my land, my land. All those people didn't die of the Spanish flu. Now, Dr. Lou here locally and in the state of California, they're making sure that every victim dies of COVID because they're justifying their illegal and corrupt activity. So he said, uh, So he said, so in studying the major and actual pandemic, what did Dr. Fauci and his colleagues find? 
they discovered that most of the victims of the Spanish flu did not die from the Spanish flu. Well, shazam, shazam, shazam. They died instead from bacterial pneumonia. And the bacterial pneumonia was caused by, wait for it, wait for it, wearing masks. Bacterial pneumonia was caused by wearing masks. The extension, the intention then, as now, was to halt the spread of the disease by wearing masks. And it goes on from there. People, we have been punked. And what do you do about it now? Well, I was hoping that Trump would overthrow the Biden government. We'll see whether that's going to happen. But I'm going to talk about what we can do about it uh, rather than just sit on our hands and lick our wounds. We'll be right back. race or are you an American? It's a question that I honestly have to ask people nowadays because so many people put a different nationality before American. Do y'all think I'm going up to people introducing myself saying, hey, I'm Dan, I'm an Irish American. I'm like 125th or something Native American. Do you think I wear a headband and a feather up the side saying I'm a Native American? No, because I believe that I am an American. I was born in America. Therefore, I'm an American. See how that works? A perfect example of this is Kamala Harris. The only thing that makes her vice presidency special is that she is the first woman ever to be a vice president. That's it. Which is cool. I mean, I can get behind that. Well, not, well, not behind it like that. Shit. You know what I meant, CNN? Don't put me on the news. Imagine that, though, seeing that on CNN. Conservative YouTuber wants to get behind Kamala Harris. She's not my type, okay, Cuomo? But did you hear how they introduced Kamala Harris at the inauguration? The first Indian, African, Jamaican, American vice president. To our first African American, our first Asian American, and our first woman vice president, Kamala Harris. What the fuck? Anything else you want to add? Maybe the first vice president who thought their running mate was racist. Well, who gives a shit? Guess where Kamala Harris was born? Oakland, California. This is the United States of America. We live in the greatest country in the world. So why the hell would you want to put another country's nationality before yours. I'm honestly really curious why Kamala Harris was okay being introduced with all of those nationalities before American. There is no other country on earth that uses a different nationality before theirs. Do you think somebody who has Chinese ancestors living in Australia is calling themselves a Chinese Australian? No, they're not. 
What about a person with Irish ancestors that was born in Jamaica? Do you think they're calling themselves an Irish Jamaican? They'd probably get laughed off the beach if they said that. So why in the hell do you want another nationality before American? Are you not proud to be an American? Do you want to live in Africa? Do you want to live in China? The only reason why America is the only country to do this is to victimize our people and for political gain. So let me ask, seriously, do we want to be equal? Like seriously, do we want every American to be looked at like they are equal? Let's take Officer Tatum for example, another big person on YouTube. Do you think he considers himself an African? Or do you think he considers himself an American? But can't you see, this is the reason why we still have division in America. Because this stuff is allowed. When somebody says a nationality before American, they're dividing themselves already from regular Americans. And people ask, why is racism such a problem in the US? You're doing it to yourself. It's not because people call each other racist crap. It's not because Trump built a wall and people had a problem with it. And it's not because Joe Biden said before the election, if you're considering voting for Trump, you ain't black. If you have a problem figuring out whether you're for me or Trump, then you ain't black. It don't have nothing to do with Trump. It has to do with the fact I- It's because people still see themselves as where their ancestors were from and they don't see themselves as Americans. If you were born in America, fucking own it. Because this is the greatest country on earth. And if you feel like you have to put another nationality before America, just go ahead and move there and then compare the two on which is a better country. Governments have now set the precedent that normal life is a privilege they allow us to have. Something that can be withdrawn at any minute, under any justification, with the expectation of nothing in return but groveling obedience and the vitriolic repudiation of any dissent. With barely a whimper of opposition, lockdowns have now been established as the primary reasonable go-to response to a crisis. This isn't going to end with COVID-19. There'll be new mutations, new viruses, but you'll also hear louder calls for climate lockdowns. Remember the headlines back during the first lockdown? Lockdowns trigger dramatic fall in global carbon emissions. Wild animals enjoy freedom of a quieter world. Nature liberated by lockdown? Who wouldn't stay at home for a few weeks to save the planet? Then a few weeks turns into a few months, but it's for Mother Earth. Climate change alarmists have been calling for this very thing for decades, but mostly they've been ignored until now. Karl Lauterbach, an MP for the German Social Democratic Party, outlined the plan. A German lawmaker has got a furious reaction for suggesting COVID restrictions could be the template for fighting climate change. There will never be a vaccine against CO2, so we need measures for tackling climate change that are similar to the restrictions of personal freedom in the pandemic. Under a climate lockdown, governments would limit private vehicle use, ban consumption of red meat, and impose extreme energy-saving measures while fossil fuel companies would have to stop drilling. To avoid such a scenario, we must overhaul our economic structures and do capitalism differently. Do capitalism differently, precisely what the World Economic Forum is calling for under the umbrella of their Great Reset. By doing it differently, they mean you own nothing 
and they own everything. While Bill Gates is buying up record amounts of farmland, you're being told that the dream of property ownership is an ancient relic. Over the course of the pandemic, billionaires have almost doubled their wealth. As their competitors fall like flies, the biggest corporations have raked in record profits. While on Main Street, small businesses have capitulated, unemployment has soared, and poverty has drastically increased. Wow, this great reset is really working out great for the little guy. Doing it differently means universal basic income. UBI. It means neo-feudalism. It means financial serfdom. And most people will learn to love it. Most of them will be happy to get paid by the government to sit on their arses getting fat watching Netflix all day. But it comes at a cost. And that cost is the complete abolition of self-determination and total dependence on technocrats. Emissions fell during lockdown. Let's keep it that way. Stay home. Stay staring at your screen. The technocrats are in control now. After all, you lost several social credit score points recently thanks to those angry Facebook posts. You really don't want to put your UBI at risk, do you? People like John Kerry need to fly around the world in private jets to decide your future. But do you really need to drive to see your family? Do you really need to take that holiday? How would governors and the federal government impose climate lockdowns, asks Stephen Miller. Simple. By declaring that climate change is an immediate public health and national security crisis and using the same authority granted to them by public health departments to implement them under the same guidelines they did for COVID-19. Bernie Sanders and AOC announced a bill suggesting as much yesterday. Those who refuse to comply, those who protest, those who God forbid, drive a vehicle during climate lockdown. Well, they're the science deniers and they need to be shut down. They need to be publicly shamed, deplatformed and arrested. This was always the risk with the mass implementation of lockdowns. Once your leaders enforce one under the guise of public health, they will not simply set aside their power to do so again. Don't worry, though. They're just following the science. This is the new normal our passive obedience helped create. We'd be naive to think that the technocrats will allow us to forget it. Well, it's been building up inside of me for oh, I don't know how long. I don't know why, but I keep thinking something's bound to go wrong. But he looks in I mentioned before I've had people tell me funeral directors tell me that the state has called them and asked them to change the death certificate to say that COVID was the cause of the death. I mean, these are, these are straight businessmen, honest businessmen. And when they called the doctor to see about changing it to COVID, the doctor just threw up his hands. And just said, do whatever they want you to do. See the breakdown people? They just, pretty soon, people go along with the lie, even though they think the whole thing is just a big fraud. A big fraud. All right, here, where we go here. Oh, I wanted to mention this, too. Let me... uh, let me get over here. I don't want that. 
What I want is I want to pull up another email because a guy wanted me to promote something. And uh, I want to do it for him. So there's a group. There's a, a group called New California State. And a guy got a hold of me because he heard I wasn't writing for the Territorial Dispatch anymore. And he wanted to know why. So we talked and he said, hey, would you mind coming over and speaking at our event? They have a monthly event. Maybe it's more than each month. But I just heard about it. Yeah, they meet. Uh, well, it doesn't say they meet every single Monday. But they're meeting February 15th on Monday from 530 to 830. Now, this is called Citizens Commission Hearings. New California State, Sutter Yuba Counties. Um, so they are meeting to form a new state, New California Counties, uh, New California State. And so uh, they wanted me to announce that on Monday, February 15th, which is just uh, around the corner, from 530 to 830 at the 530 Event Center. That it's located, the event center's at 1104 J Street in Marysville. 1104 J. So uh, they're going to discuss how is the lockdown affecting your church, your business, your kids. Talk about some experiences. First and Second Amendment rights, vaccines are going to talk about. So they meet at, uh, I'll cover some other stuff here in a minute, but uh, where is the meeting? Where is the meeting? Hmm. All right. I thought I saw it here. Usually they meet over at Crossroads. Oh, that's right. They're not meeting there this time because they're doing this big event. So it's at the 530 Event Center in Marysville, California. It's right at the base of the 10th Street Bridge on the north side of the 10th Street Bridge. 530 Event Center, 1104J. And they're going to cover... Uh, some of the violations of the state of California with this voting, automatic voting situation. And uh, let me give you a phone number because I don't want you to lose them. But you could just show up at 530. You don't need to reserve a spot or pay money or anything like that. 530 to 30 Monday, February 15th. This is activism at its best. It's getting people that are motivated to make some changes to make those changes. And that's uh, the same thing that uh, Glad Tidings did, Church of Glad Tidings, by hosting the Free and the Brave Conference here a few weeks ago. And now there, I think a lot of the, the uh, clips, we recorded the entire conference and live streamed the entire conference so the uh, recording should be up on the Church of Glad Tidings website. It, it will shock you how good it is. It's just unbelievable, the talks. Um, so I wanted to... Um, okay, I just wanted to double-check something here. So I wanted to announce that and um, to go, if you want to help facilitate the starting of a new state these people are doing all the baby steps to get there you got it they're doing all the baby steps so there's something else i wanted to talk to you about 
Oh, I got it now. Here it is right here. So I told you about the Free and the Brave Conference, where all the clips are on the, the website at churchofgladtidings.com. So instead of just having a wonderful conference with hundreds and hundreds of people there and from all over California, a lot of them, when they left, they said, hey, we don't want to leave. We don't, in other words, we want to stay in contact. So everybody was exchanging contact numbers and et cetera. And so um, Courtney Allen, who works for Church of Glad Tidings in outreach, uh, working on these political problems, she has put together an event on March 5, Friday night. It's going to be a monthly event, and there'll be new speakers every month. And uh, I can't tell you who the speaker is right now because I don't know. Uh, yeah, I don't think it's a secret. They just haven't uh, got confirmation yet. But I wanted to give you a heads up because March 5 is just around the corner, a couple weeks away. And this will be a, a great event, March 5, Friday night, 7 p.m., Freedom Coalition meeting. So the Freedom Coalition is a group that they're trying to organize in the Yuba Sutter County's area to have influence. In other words, go to the supervisors' meetings, go to the uh, city council meetings, go to the planning me meetings, go to whatever meetings there are and watch and note and take notes and, and stand up and speak. And give your opinion on things and tell them what the law really says about open meetings and stuff. So um, we we need to take over our county, and that just it's just as simple as doing it. It you don't have to get a gun out. We can just do it peaceable, and just and just take a stand. So um, so that meeting is March five, and. Um, I would encourage, strongly encourage you to commit to go to those meetings. I think Dinesh D'Souza, who came up here to do a fundraiser for Tamika Hamilton, is, is scheduled to be back in town in on the weekend of June, uh, weekend of July three uh, and four. I don't know whether I don't know what's it's Friday night, Saturday, Sunday. I think or Saturday and Sunday. We'll have more details on that. But what we want to do is keep the fires burning. And we want to keep the momentum to make change in our community. We are going to have the community that we're willing to fight for. And if you want to just sit behind your closed door and watch the boob tube, or you want to just stay disconnected from everybody, not involved in church or not involved in this or not involved in that, and just point, pointing at the problems, what we need you to do is be involved at some level. Maybe you could do clerical work. Uh, maybe you could help. Maybe you're good at public relations. You can help promote the events we're going to have. Maybe you could go to a city council meeting each uh, each time they have one. They have them a couple times a month. And just keep notes on what's going on and be able to do an all call for people to complain. And um, we need activists. We need people that are willing to come and speak at the Board of Supervisors or speak at the city council. Well, on and on it goes. We need to have influence. And so it's interesting right now in the Yuba Sutter County's area, we have two supervisor boards and we have two city councils, main major city councils. I mean, there's a couple small ones. There's one in Live Oak, California, a city council. Uh, there's also a city council in Wheatland, but the big ones that cover bulk of people are... are uh, 
in Marysville and Yuba City. And so uh, we've been working on trying to talk to the political leaders, the elected officials, to say, hey, why don't you open up? I mean, you go out and eat dinner and party at the casino. And there's, you know, I, I'm not going to take time to go through all the analogies. If you, if you haven't got it by now, I don't really have much hope for you. So um, anyway, what we're trying to do is organize workers, not people that just come and sit and listen to a good speaker and go, oh, my, and go get coffee afterwards. That's not what we're after. What we're trying to do, just like a football team, you're, you're starting out the season and you go to spring training, everything about that spring training and the training in general and even the games and the huddles and the the halftime training and, and uh, coaching is all leading to one thing, is, and that's to win the game, right? Nobody gets any prizes for being in the huddle and being said, man, that was one great huddle, but we didn't win the game. What we're trying to do is take control of our counties in a harmless and peaceful way. But we need people that are going to step up and, and go do things. Maybe it's going to be you're, you're, you've been studying med- medical stuff or vaccines or you've been studying homelessness or, you, you know, there's hundreds of topics. And you could go, you're willing to go in there and do a three minute blast and just talk for three minutes and, and then hand out all the codes that you're, you're referring to. So we need volunteers. And so if you want to come to that meeting, you can get signed up. There will be a lot of paperwork there that will equip people. So when you leave the meeting, what I'm, I'm always frustrated when meetings are really good, but there's no organizational infrastructure to grab onto people that want to volunteer and want to make the, the country a different place than it is right now and, uh, and resist the, the liberals and the communists. So we can, it's totally doable. But nothing is doable unless you're going to put your shoulder to the wheel. So you can reach, um, if you need to, you don't, I don't think you even need to make a reservation and for the, 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 the uh, March 5th meeting. I don't think there's any cost to it. It's just go if you'd like. So um, if you have any questions about it, you can always call Courtney Allen at 530-671-3160. I don't know her extension offhand, but you can... Uh, you could probably look it up on the churchofgladtidings.com website. They're hosting everything. Okay, so that's that. And um, all right, I just need to get back over to another window here. All right. All right, let me see what we got here. Oh, again, let me go back to this. Uh, Finish this up, talking about open meetings. There's really no constitutional right to an open meeting. To What that means is a meeting that the public can come to without paying any money, without jumping through political hoops. They can just attend the meeting and stay in the meeting as long as they're peaceable, right? And they could get a chance to stand up for whatever they believe in. So it's interesting on Yuba County side, neither the city council nor the Yuba County Board of Supervisors have taken stock and saying, let's open up. And Dr. Lou sending uh, in Yuba City, they're saying, 
We've been open. I've talked to them this week. They've been open, the supervisors and the city council. But what I talked to two people about this week on the Yuba County side, and this probably applies to Sutter as well, that not only did businesses lose their business and had to, particularly restaurants, pass out food outside, which is totally nonsense. Um, but they lost their clientele. And you think, well, what do you mean they lost their clientele? Can't they just get it back overnight? No, nope, they can't. When you start a business, it's very hard to get people to come to your business because they're just not used to it. They haven't tried the food or they haven't tried whatever else you're offering. And uh, so you build up over a period of years clientele. One person tells another person, tells tells another person, da-da-da-da-da, good takeout. They have a meeting room. You can go use the meeting room, right? So one lady that went bankrupt told me, she said, Lou, uh, we opened when they said we could open, but then the population that should have been coming here quit coming here because they were so afraid. The government does a wonderful job to scare the hell out of you. But unless you have some smarts on top and discernment what's going on, uh, it's it's not going to be very helpful to you. So, The Yuba City City Council and the Sutter County Board of Supervisors are now have opened their meetings up. And even though it isn't a constitutional requirement that meetings be open, there have been statutes and and laws passed by legislatures demanding that meetings, the decisions and meetings take place in an open forum and not behind closed doors. Now, certain things get to done, be done by behind closed doors, like a decision over real estate investment or real estate or how to, how to invest our money that we have surplus uh, or to hire and fire employees, right? And then when the supervisors come out of those meetings or city council, they need to report out to the public that, in general, this is what we're talking about, but we made this decision or we didn't make a decision. That's the way the Brown Act and other federal acts uh, work out. So what we have now in one county, we had we have open government meetings, and in the other county, we have closed government meetings. Now, in the long long haul, these are going to damage people's businesses. And so, what I was talking about the dragging in people the other day, I was getting some takeout, and I said, "Why don't you just open up, girl? Just down the street, there's restaurants open." And they said, "Lou, we're afraid. We're afraid of the government." And I could see why, because they lived under communism before they fled and got here. And uh, so we have the Board of Supervisors who uh, a lady wrote a Board of Supervisors saying, hey, what's the deal? Don't I have constitutional rights to listen to your meeting? And so Gary Bradford wrote was the only one who wrote her back. And he basically said, hey, yeah, I like meetings to get back to where they were, but like a big butt. But with technology, we're actually reaching lots, lots more people that would normally not come or can't come to the meetings. Now, he has made, uh, he has made a huge mistake. These guys are making huge mistakes, keeping people out of the meetings. 
So Bradford says, I think this is actually reaching more people. But the fact is, and I have statistics here, I don't know whether we're going to have time to go over them or not, that poor people and people that are elderly people and people up in remote areas of the mountains many times lack the technology or the Wi-Fi to go to the Zoom meetings or they lack the equipment to utilize for the Zoom meetings. And therefore, it's unconstitutional because it's discriminatory against people that can't get into the building. They can't connect to the building through Zoom or live stream or whatever. So I was just thinking of comparing the whole deal of I can't go to the meeting because of something, something, something to the American Disability Act, the ADA Act, the ADA. And what that says is everybody's got to make accommodations in their businesses. And we even need to make accommodations at the curb, at the street. So blind people and crippled people and people have all kinds of ailments ailments that are in a wheelchair are able to get in up up on the sidewalk without crashing and actually they could get entry into a building where they wanted to shop and it's the same thing uh with government buildings they they are ADA compliant so if we spend so much money as we've spent millions of dollars to become ADA compliant, yet we turn right around and discriminate, not against crippled people, but against people who do not have the ability to get on Zoom. Now, I'll give you a personal experience, and I know I'm not the sharpest guy in town on technology. I have been invited to Zoom meetings. I wasn't on Zoom, but but I've gone on and d- done what they said, put in the password, do this, do that, and And sometimes I got in and had a talk and other times I could, I could see them, but I could not hear them. Now I, I was trying to get ready to teach in the Yuba County jail again, even during COVID. And they said, Lou, we, we need you to zoom. I said, don't know how to zoom. And they said, well, can you learn? So I called my computer tech lady, wonderful lady. And I paid her, to come over here and teach me how to do Zoom, download it correctly, get it working, and get an icon going so I can click on it and and use it. And now I've used Zoom a number of times. But I had to pay a woman quite a bit of money to take time out of her day to come over here and help me. And I'm glad I did. What I'm saying to you is it is it is discriminatory to not have everybody at least the same playing field of being access, being able to access those meetings. We're going to take another break now. This is a halfway point of our show, but we're still playing clips for you, so we'll be right back. After passing through puberty, the majority of young children who originally expressed distress and confusion about their biological sex outgrew it. We're talking 75 to 95% of such children. 
but with the widespread push to embrace and affirm transgenderism, perhaps it shouldn't be surprising that more children are questioning their gender. We made an unbelievable mistake in the last six months. In fact, I've done a lot of research on this. The lockdowns will go down as one of the worst decisions ever made in the history of our country, bar none. The lockdowns, they, they are... The lockdowns, we need to say it so it'll never happen again. I'm going to say some things that some people might deem controversial, but whatever. Um, <laughs> the lockdowns are a luxury of the rich. If you have money, you can survive a lockdown. If you don't, you have to fight and barely get by. Every metric we have for a declining society is up. Every metric. Because of these lockdowns, 150 million more people worldwide will go into extreme poverty. 150 million people worldwide because we decided to shut off global supply chains, shut off the movement of people, goods, and services. 15,000 scientists just signed the Barrington Declaration that said the lockdowns are the greatest threat to human health. They say it's all about safety and health. The lockdowns are hurting people. These are not victimless crimes. We tried to kill a mouse with a missile, and we did not adapt as we moved on. The more we saw the data come in, the more we locked down our country. All it did is delay the inevitable and also harm our young people. One out of four of young people contemplated suicide in our country the last 90 days. One out of four. Antidepressant medication is up 600% in our country. 600%. I can go through the numbers. 40% of U.S. adults reported struggling with mental health, up from 6% last year. U.S. Army suicides have increased 30% during the pandemic, compared to 2019. The CDC, because of concerns about the Chinese coronavirus, estimated 41% of U.S. adults had delayed urgent medical care. They didn't want to go to the hospital. They thought they were going to get hurt. How about small businesses? Yelp, which all of you have used, say that 60% of their restaurants on their app will never reopen. 60%. Who owns small businesses? Who owns these restaurants? All of you guys out here. You guys know how hard it is. You have to deal with the city, the local, the county government, convince people to come back in. The backbone of the American entrepreneurial experiment are middle-class people taking a small risk that have five to ten employees, and we crushed them. And what happened to the ruling class in this country? Jeff Bezos is richer than he ever has been. The wealthy and the rich, God bless them, are well, most of which have been able to survive this quite well. It is the collectivist class that has been calling the shots in this country that hurt the little guy through these lockdowns. And they say, well, it's to stop the spread. That's a lie. Never would you ever be able to stop the spread. You're just delaying the inevitable. You could temporarily slow it. You could temporarily stunt it. But it gave people false confidence in something that actually hurt real human beings. And how about our generation? As I mentioned, 52% of my generation is now living at home with their parents, up from 37% last year. 52%. Again, I'm not trying to attack people that are living at home with their parents. I, it's some people have no choice. They have no financial choice. So we have a generation that the average student loan debt per borrower is $31,000 per borrower that then goes, graduates college with very little to any skill, most times, um, and I'm happy to build out the whole college issue, to then enter a country where we tell them, just go work harder. Go work harder. Oh, I'm sorry, we shut down the country the last nine months. And what we, are, what we are playing with right now in Western society, if we do not fully reopen our economies and fully reopen our schools, will be 
irreparable damage to the backbone of our republic that will only give license to a socialist demagogue to get power. We want to tax, tax, just tax. We like that word, don't we? Tax. It's fun to say. It's got that short, tight, got the X in there, a little bite to it. Tax it. Tax. Don't. I don't. I don't know where it is. Don't tell. Tax it. Don't tell me. Remember when we first got text? Not really. Can't really remember that. I, I can't either. I mean, I know that we have it. I know we didn't used to have it. I don't know how we got it. I don't remember. Did they tell us we were getting it? Was, was there an announcement that we're getting it? There was no commercial. I don't remember a commercial. Want some human contact, but kind of had it up to here with people. Try that. All right, this is Luke Benninger back. And um, so we were talking about the meetings, people coming to meetings that normally were mandated to be open to the public, transparent government, right? Anymore, it's just more and more difficult to get any information out of government. And so some ladies this week, uh, because the you can only Zoom onto the uh, Yuba County meetings, supervisor meetings, and Gary Bradford, one of the supervisors, he said, hey, it's actually a good deal, uh, and it's okay that we can't have public meetings, but it's actually a very positive thing because so more people can come to our meetings. But only if you have all the devices and Wi-Fi like I mentioned before. But So a couple ladies this week tried to access the meeting by Zoom, and one completely failed and tried many times, called the, the, the uh, supervisor clerk who was in her office watching the meeting on her monitor, but could not help the, the citizen, the constituent, to actually get the thing up on her computer. So this person that was trying to get access to the meeting was probably around 40 years old, sharp lady, uh, and a professional lady, and could not get her Zoom to work with Yuba County. A second lady who spoke at the super supervisor's meeting the first time she tried to speak no they could see her but they could not hear her now maybe it was her own microphone problem on her computer but she stayed with it and watched the meeting for a while then finally got her mic to working and um, then they let her have another three minutes and she spoke again the point I'm telling you, now this gal, the second gal that spoke, she was a college graduate. 
She's tech savvy. She is a sharp person. She's run her own businesses before. But she had problems with the Zoom, with the supervisors. My point being is this is not facilitating open government. And there are many, many, it doesn't say anything about having to have an open meeting in the Constitution. What it does say in codes and regulations that meetings should be open. They shall be open. And you shouldn't have to pay to go to them. You shouldn't have to sign in to go to them. And you you should be able, if you just want to go in there and watch, you don't have to give your identity. You don't have to do jack. But this thing of using going to a Zoom or live stream is is not permissible. It's actually violating people's civil rights. It's discriminating against them. And the, so what I talked to a, um, an attorney recently that is representing the, the people that are against Measure K and they've won at the local level. Now it's at the appellate level. This firm, uh, I think it's McAndrews, Hilltach and Bell or, or some combination of those names out of Sacramento on Capitol Mall. And basically he wrote me back and said, Lou, the only way we're going to, he said, yeah, you're right. They're violating your civil rights. But the only reason, only way we're going to get at them is if we file a lawsuit against them. So I think Sutter County got a hand of that and opened their meetings, which now you can go in, you can speak, you can watch, you can do the whole thing. And Mark Boomgarden, mayor of Yuba City, said you can do that at his meetings as well. So the challenge is whatever county or city you're in, it's time to take back your city or your county and have it a constitutional city or county. And that's what this meeting coming up on March 5th is for from the Church of Glad Tidings is to continue to build, uh, organizationally build in these various counties up and down the North State, which is where we have our influence, like Butte County to the north of us, east of us, Nevada County, west of us, Calusa County, south of us, Sacramento, Placer County. We need to all build uh, collaborative groups, coalitions, to, to, visit, to be in these meetings and hold people accountable and be able to give a shout-out when we th- think something's going funky and, uh, and make sure that what's being done in our community is correct according to the Constitution, according to the law. So um, let's see. I'm going to uh, introduce a clip right now that's longer than I normally play, so I'm going to play it right in the middle of my segment here. And it is just a tad over 10 minutes, but it is fantastic. And uh, it's from a guy that is still alive, thankfully. He's getting older, Thomas Sowell, S-O-W-E-L-L, Thomas Sowell. His partner in crime, I say that kindly, Walter Williams, in his 80s, just died. And uh, they both were well-known, high-profile black men in America that came up the hard way, uh, but have have achieved great uh, intellectual stature and accomplishments, written Thomas Sowell has written, he seemed like he knocks out a book every few months. 
So this is a clip by Thomas Sowell on Black History Myths, M-Y-T-H-S. A myth is something that's a commonly held belief that's untrue. Thomas Sowell is going to talk about black history myths promoted by the left. So these are these are falsehoods or lies that are constantly beaten into the public's thinking. They're lies. Now these this is a, a uh, Thomas Sowell speaking throughout his life from his younger years on up to the current his current uh, time. So uh, this is uh, 10 minutes and 22 seconds. We'll be right back, but I think you're going to really enjoy this. This is the truth. One of the sad things is that we, we talk in this country as if slavery was something unique to the United States or to blacks and whites. You say 1619 is as important as 1776. Yes. Yes. Um, our decision to buy that first group of 20 to 30 Africans would influence almost everything that would follow after. I think it is foundational. It is as foundational to who we became as a country as our decision in 1776 to break off from the British. Recently, some school districts have decided that they'll be teaching a unit on early American history based on the New York Times 1619 project, which illustrates how the founding of this country is inextricably tied to the institution of slavery. One of the sad things is that we, we talk in this country as if slavery was something unique to the United States or to blacks and whites. Uh, and in point of fact, slavery was one of the oldest institutions among human beings. They go back as far as there is recorded history. Archaeological finds suggest that, race, race, that slavery rather existed before human beings could read and write. So what race, a racial difference between the slaves and the enslavers, that is a relatively new phenomenon. You didn't have in ancient times the ability to go to another continent and move millions of people across, of a different race across the ocean. So you enslaved the people who were nearby. The Europeans enslaved Slavs for centuries before they, enslaved, before they brought the first black uh, African to the Western Hemisphere. Okay, but so you're not suggesting you do not wish to say anything other than that slavery as practiced in the United States was, it may have been recent, but you'd, argue, you'd be willing to grant that it was particularly perverse and, and, and destructive no, it's because, it's, because race got mixed into it at that point, right? Race got mixed into it in the United States more than anywhere else for a very simple reason. The United States was founded, as the Declaration said, uh, of independence, said uh, men are, all men are created equal. Right. If that's true, then the only way you can justify slavery is to say that some men are less than men. I see. So the racial but in, but, in, but in Brazil, where, where Brazil imported more slaves than the United States, there was no such ideology. Brazil was not a democratic country. The whole issue never arose. I see. One of the most pervasive stereotypes about black Americans is that of the absent black father. Where does this toxic idea about black fathers even come from? Well, one theory takes it back to a 1965 report titled The Negro Family, The Case for National Action. The report became one of the most contentious political documents in 20th century America. Democrat and Assistant Secretary of Labor Daniel Patrick Moynihan put the report together to make the argument for how the Lyndon B. Johnson administration had to do more for racial equality than simply pass the Voting Rights Act. Moynihan 
Moynihan argued that to really fight racial inequality, the government had to understand the state of black communities and why they were the way they were. But Moynihan ended up focusing on one thing, the black family. According to him, the fundamental reason for growing economic inequality between white and black Americans was a crumbling family structure in black communities. And at the foundation of the so-called crumbling black family structure was the absent black father. Moynihan looked at non-marital birth rates and rates of fathers living separately from their children and made a whole bunch of assumptions about parents' relationship statuses and parental involvement. The report didn't take into account factors like the legacy of slavery, generational wealth, or even economic migration in which men left their homes so that they could provide for their families. A fallacy is that the current fatherless families so prevalent among contemporary blacks are a legacy of slavery where families were not recognized under slavery. This ignores the fact that the problem has become much worse among generations of blacks far removed from slavery than among generations closer to the era of slavery, yeah. close quote. Explain that. You mean explain why it is so? Or yeah, see, why is that? Why, what, what on earth is going on there? That is so counter to what we, what we assume. Well, first of all, the, 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 the people, most people have not recognized the fact that, in, that if you go back into the 20s, uh, you find that uh, married couple families were much more prevalent among blacks then than today. Most black kids grew up in homes with two parents under slavery itself and for generations thereafter. And as late as the 1960s, uh, most black children grew up in two-parent homes. When you think about it, I mean, uh, centuries of slavery, Generations of Jim Crow did not destroy the black family, but one, one generation of the welfare state did. Uh, Moynihan was, was uh, excoriated for pointing this out. 1965, uh, the, the Moynihan Report. That's right, yes. the Moynihan Report. What, and and what, what is so, people did, took this as a, as a way of uh, putting, putting down blacks. What they don't understand was that one, Moynihan was a scholar who knew that his own group, the Irish Americans, had that very same problem at the beginning of the 20th century. And more importantly, Moynihan's own father deserted the family when he was 10 years old. Oh, I didn't know that. He and his brother were out shining shoes in Times Square and Central Park to try to bring in some, a few pennies to help, help the, keep the house going. And so where they'd been living in this wonderful suburban area, suddenly they were in a very rough neighborhood and they were shining shoes in Times Square to try to, try to make ends meet. And so he understood that this was one heck of a problem that, that people should be warned about. And he was simply excoriated. Black Americans, a group often identified as beneficiaries of the welfare state in America, made considerable economic progress in the 20th century. Fine of course, but much, if not most, this is the thing with you, the dependent clause is where the sting is, <laughs> but much, if not most, of this progress was prior to the massive expansion of the American welfare state, close quote. That is so counter, I want to say counterintuitive because we hear so much about African-American progress since civil rights and the, the establishment of the welfare state that it really has become a kind of American intuition. Explain yourself, Dr. Sowell. Well, as of 1940, 87% of black households were in poverty. Over the next 20 years, that declined to 47%. This is all prior to the civil rights laws, prior to the social welfare policies of the Johnson administration. Over the next 20 years, it fell an additional 18 points. But that, that was not, that, that was just the same trend continuing at a reduced rate. 
affirmative action is even worse. Poverty rate was something like 30% among black households before affirmative action. And a decade after affirmative action, it was 29%. This is not the same as the 40% decline that occurred before there were any civil rights laws and before there was any social welfare state. Race and discrimination, you suggest, are not so closely linked that they move up and down together. First of all, describe, d d distinguish the two, race and discrimination. Well, you, well, ra ra well racism is, is, is an attitude inside people's heads. Right. Discrimination is an overt act taking place outside in the real world. Okay. So, now, and so not only with blacks, but you find the same thing with Jews in previous uh, centuries, that that part of the United States where, where there was the most racism against blacks, namely the South, right. is where black construction workers were much more common than they were in the North, right on into the 20th century. Uh, and pe most people aren't aware that in the South, blacks were the construction workers. I remember a professor at Howard University saying that when he was a boy in the South, his father uh, pointed to some man on the street and said, he was the first black construction, first white construction worker in this town. And so what was going on there? The racism did not, so, so whites, whites could think of blacks as somehow or other separate, but they'd still employ them because, oh, yes. the, because the market made it profitable to do so. Yeah, in fact, in fact like, yes, and a, in fact, a law had to be passed to stop this because uh, in, the, in the 20s, and particularly in the, as the Depression got underway, uh, black uh, construction companies in the South using black non-union labor would come up to the North and underbid on government contracts, taking them away. And so this was, this, was ver this was very common to the point where they passed the Davis-Bacon Act, which said that on government contracts, you must pay the prevailing wage, which, meant, which was translated almost invariably into the union wage. Right. So your point on the distinction between racism and discrimination is don't worry about racism. It's inside people's heads. You can't measure it. Uh, there's a strongly subjective, just forget about it. Concentrate only on discrimination. And the best answer to discrimination is to let markets operate because then people will discover, it, it will tend to militate against discrimination. Oh, yes, when people have skills to offer, they'll be employed. Whatever this notion of racism in people's heads is, don't worry about that. Is that right? Yeah, the, the, what, I'm, what I'm saying essentially is that racism, racists may prefer one race to another, but they prefer themselves to everybody else. <laughs> so they'll, they'll do what's profitable. That's right, that's right. It would be very hard, for example, for a, a basketball owner, no matter how racist he was, to try to operate without blacks. Mm -hmm. uh, as so as you showed in the case of the Washington Redskins. Yes, yes, because mm -hmm. there they had, they had a policy of trying to keep blacks off the team for a long time. And it so happened that almost all the leading running backs of that era were black. And, of course, as the Washington Redskins began to lose more and more games, uh, it wasn't very long before they decided they had better get uh, Bobby Mitchell uh, from Cleveland and put him in the lineup as they, as they did. I hope you enjoyed that <clears throat> on uh, racism. And uh, so you'll see, you can see on my uh, Facebook site, Live with Lou, there's an article called, uh, as I mentioned earlier, about Black Lives Matter. And it, it uh, covers some of the same uh, factual uh, bent uh, that the black community does not, the black leadership charlatans don't want you to understand. Um, that points the finger at their problem at the, uh, because of the problem at them. 
So we just have a, a minute or so left. So before I go on to a new topic, I want to just go back and say that that uh, this COVID, the management of the COVID supposed crisis, what this has been is a created crisis by government uh, utilizing, monopolizing or utilizing or manipulating the common cold. And the the goal of the crisis was not to manage it well, but to torment people and cause them to be mentally uh, harassed. And so uh, businesses were forced to op- forced to close, fo- then allowed to open, forced to close, open slightly, outdoor dining, that type of thing. Totally nut stuff, stuff that never made people. M- many of my friends, I said this before, over and over again, the problem of many of my friends, they they tried to make sense of it and tried to uh, come to some sort of consensus about it. And they're, you can't make sense of something that's nonsense. And uh, that's what's that's going on here. And it, the idea was to mentally warp or mentally wear down people to where they became exasperated. And to also the goal was to break middle America, to break small businesses, which are the independent freedom-loving, resistant, fight in the ditches, go to war over freedom. They're, that group, they want to break that group. That group is is primarily the demographics of the small business world, where and that's the majority of our employees that are employed by uh, businesses that, hey, hire one, two, three, four. Like my dad had a butcher shop, and he had he worked in it, and then he had three other employees, and that's most of America. That's where your employment is, not in the big manufacturing jobs. So we're at the end of our fourth uh, section right now, and we will take a slight break, and then we will be back to do uh, segment number five of six. All right, we'll be right back with you. hilarious to me is that the same group of people who scream my body my choice and want abortions you know the right to kill a baby and want the right for children to decide if they want to change their gender are also the same group of people who say that it should be a law to wear this because apparently safety is more important than freedom to choose I find it funny just considering that my body, my choice went out the window when it was convenient for you. Because if it was my body, my choice, I'm the only one that can get sick. So if I don't wear it, I'll get what's coming to me regardless. So will all my loved ones and my family members and my friends, won't they? But here's for the argument of the people saying, oh, but asymptomatic, oh, but you'll pass the germs to someone else. Here's the thing, you're not my responsibility because if you have asthma, I'm not carrying your inhaler. That's how life works, honey. And you know what? I get hate comments just like everyone else does. It's expected. And as I was reading, someone put on there, I hope you get killed at work. I sat there for a second. I thought, why? Because personally, I would never wish death or harm upon anyone. That's just who I am, though. And I know not everyone likes cops, and I respect that. But... We have a family to go home to, just like you do. And I understand it's a job we chose, 
But why would you wish death upon someone? Even if you, just because you don't like them. Just because of their occupation. And I sat there and it was, this isn't a sob story for me, but not everyone else is in as good as mental standing as someone else is. And that can really affect them. So you might think about what you post out there. And now, Great Moments in Unintended Consequences. Part 1, The Yacht Plot. The year, 1990. The problem? A national debt that had exploded. The solution? A 10% luxury tax on expensive boats. Sounds like a great idea, with the best of intentions. What could possibly go wrong? It turns out that while wealthy people buy yachts, it's usually middle-income people who make them. This giant middle finger of a tax plan cut sales of luxury boats by 70%, sent companies overseas or into Chapter 11, destroyed hundreds of thousands of middle-class jobs, and resulted in a net loss in tax revenue. Turns out it was all for yacht. Part 2. Who's Hungry Mao? The year is 1958. The problem? Birds eating too much grain in China. The solution? Chairman Mao labels the Eurasian sparrow as a capitalist enemy of the state, kicking off a nationwide campaign to eradicate the species. Sounds like an idea. With the best of intentions, what could possibly go wrong? It turns out sparrows also eat insects, and insects eat a lot more grain than sparrows do. A hundred million dead birds later, grain yields plummeted in China, resulting in massive famine, starvation, and deaths estimated between 15 and 45 million people. On the bright side, at least China learned its lesson about rounding up unwanted population. Part 3. Vaccination Proclamations The year 2021. The problem? Effective distribution for a vaccine with a short shelf life. New York solution? Create a massively detailed yet questionable priority schedule. Then mandate appointments, pushing applicants, including the elderly, toward a buggy website to answer lengthy questionnaires and upload multiple attachments. When that slows things down, find distribution centers for giving about-to-expire doses to non-priority patients. When they throw expired doses away, find them for not using their entire supply fast enough. Also remove the priority status of frontline workers who don't get it early enough and threaten to strip medical licenses and future vaccine delivery for those who don't comply with all the rules created and changed on a daily basis. Sounds like... Come on, New York, get it together. Just don't forget to cover up nursing home deaths and blame the federal government when you collect your Emmy. Great moments in unintended consequences. Good intentions, bad results. I want to just touch on briefly the the craziness of our governor. I I read this I've read this a number of times. It's actually on the governor's looks like his Facebook site. It says California governor and then a little circle logo wear a mask. And he says there's a picture of him wearing a mask. Um, and he says on here the caption is 
equity, you know, not equality, but equity now is our priority when it comes to COVID-19 vaccines, right? Because there's been all these uh, accusations that they have rolled out the vaccines wrong. If you believe the vaccines are good, they've wrote, I don't believe, I'm thankful that, I hope they don't give all the vaccines out. I hope it collapses because it's going to save lives. People are going to die with this vaccine. They're already dying with the first vaccine. The second vaccine is going to be even worse. And um, anyway, I don't have time to get off into vaccines right now. Uh, You need to study it on your own. So he says equity is our priority when it comes to COVID-19 vaccines. I want you to listen to the words of this, this next paragraph. We're focused on vaccinating our food workers, farmers, peasants. When's the last time you heard anybody in our society refer to anybody in our society as a peasant? That is a term that is talking about where you have lords and serfs, right? Rulers, peasants. He says, we're focused on vaccinating our food workers, farmers, peasants, and our essential workers safely and as quickly as possible. Now, let me say this, that words like that don't get into these kind of documents or posts accidentally. I've worked in the advertising business for years. And if you have a small-time advertiser like me who works on his own, yeah, I can make a big boo-boo. I haven't made those kind of boo-boos where you put the wrong word in. But in a big organization like the state of California, which is a, a country, essentially a country to itself, you don't make a peasant mistake. That is intentional. And I don't know what their point is, but what I'm telling you is we're being groomed to be communists. That's what's going on. That's what's going on with COVID. That's what's going on with the overtake uh, and deception of the with the Biden administration. You know, I, you remember how people said Trump's not my president, and they, just, they were sore losers. Well, people have a right to say Biden's not my president because he didn't win. He didn't even come close to winning. It isn't. It isn't sour grapes. I never said Obama's not my president. I didn't want Obama. I thought he was horrible. I thought he was horrible in the beginning, and and I thought he was horrible the whole eight years. But I didn't. I didn't like throw a hissy fit every day. Uh, but the fact is, Biden and Harris are not our leaders. They did not get elected. They cheated and they manipulated the system and they they overthrew the government. And there's been all kinds of manipulation. And so what we have now is a takeover. So Gavin Newsom refers to vaccinating our peasants, for goodness sakes. We don't have any peasants in the United States. It's the craziest thing I've ever seen written here. Uh and then it's at the bottom, it's written in Spanish. There's a photo here of, uh, you ever heard of Ruby Ridge and the Weavers, the Weaver family? The ATF, alcohol, uh, the uh, alcohol, tobacco, and firearms group, they came in and maybe the FBI, and they shot up the Weaver family over over an issue of maybe they had guns. They killed his wife. They killed his child. 
and he killed his dog to, in, to make sure they were enforcing their gun laws. I'm telling you, people, when you look into the background of these Ruby Ridge and to Waco, even though you think, oh, well, they were a cult. Let me just tell you that they burned down the entire place they were living in and shot the place up. I don't care whether it's a cult or not or whether you like them or not or whether you agree with them or not. People have a right in the United States to live how they wish. And a case in point is the majority, you know, the huge number of pedophiles in our House of Representatives, in our Senate, in our, in our uh, government staffs that are out and out pedophiles. I mean, we got people joking at Hollywood big bashes there, like the Academy Awards or Golden Globe Awards, calling them pedophiles, comedians calling them pedophiles and joking about that Epstein was their buddy. And so we got all kinds of people that are getting away with murder and messing with little kids, kid trafficking. And then we got people that go out here at Ruby Ridge and kill, just shoot up a guy's house. Just It says that there's a photo of this guy's wife, and they lived out in the wilderness area. It says, just a reminder that the government will kill your wife, your child, and your dog to enforce their gun laws. And I'm telling you, this this group in Washington, D.C. right now, they'll do the same thing. That's why you need to have, now let's see, do I have that article? That article, where is that? Section 230, okay. Down here at the bottom, let me jump down here. There is a sheriff that has gone on record to say if a federal agents come into our county, wanting to uh, enforce sorry I'm I'm trying to scroll to get where the sheriff this article oh here it is so there's a sheriff in Booncomb Booncomb County Missouri and uh let me just say a number of counties within the United States have passed various second amendment sanctuary laws or declarations in the event there are federal laws ever passed that encroach on the right to bear arms. Newton County, Missouri has taken that a step further. Newton County commissioners just passed a law that endorse endows the sheriff with authority to arrest federal agents. Now, I bet you didn't think that was possible, did you? I bet you think it's just the opposite. Federal agents can come in and arrest the sheriff. The sheriff has got incredibly, incredible constitutional authority, and the sheriff could arrest the president of the United States. So they have blessed the sheriff of their county, Newton County, Missouri, with the authority to arrest federal agents if the federal agents attempt to enforce any laws related to firearms that contradict the Second Amendment. The county also enacted a Second Amendment Preservation Act of Newton County, Missouri. So uh, this, this act, this is what this act does. It stops any form of taxes on firearms, firearm accessories, and ammunition that fall outside of the realm of being common to all goods and services. Number two, it stops national registries of firearms, accessories, and ammunition. Number three, 
It stops national registries of firearm owners, confiscation of firearms, accessories, and ammunition that affect law-abiding citizens. And generally, any act, past, present, or future, passed by Congress and signed into federal law that infringes on the Second Amendment. On February 26th, uh, in 2019, Buncombe County, or Buncombe, however you pronounce it, there's a sheriff there named Quentin Miller. He declared that his sheriff deputies would not hold ICE detainees. Um, sheriff Miller barred his own deputies from assisting ICE in their endeavors to enforce federal immigration laws. Sounds familiar, right? That's what's going on here in California. Newton County saw what Sheriff Miller and other Democrat sheriffs were doing throughout the United States, so they used the same direction Sheriff Miller did with a reverse mirror image. Newton County declared that any law enforcement agencies or officials operating within the confines or under the authority of Newton County cannot attempt to enforce any federal laws that are in contrast with Second Amendment Preservation Act. Newton's commissioner basically said, if liberal sheriffs can do it, we can do it too. We just do we do just the opposite. Uh, liberal sheriffs, it says, protect illegal immigrants with severe criminal histories. Newton County commissioners protect the Second Amendment. Pretty interesting. Uh, so that is good news. Very good news, and I am just wondering whether we can work on that here. I would like to actually get rid of the concealed weapons permit. I, I was going into the—we used a, a meeting room at the Sheriff's Department tonight, Yuba County Sheriff's Department. As I was going up the stairs, I met a lady I knew, and I said, oh, what are you, what are you doing over here? And um, she said, oh, I was renewing my concealed weapon permit. And so there's nothing in the Constitution— in, in fact, it, the Constitution's words, uh, if you take them literally, forbids government from infringing on your rights, which would be making you pay money, take a test, and keep renewing your concealed weapon permit, permit in order to carry a concealed weapon. You can own a weapon and not have to have a permit, but if you want to conceal it on your body or in your car— then you have to have this concealed weapon permit, not according to the Constitution, but according to local laws that violate the Constitution. But at some point, somebody's going to need to file a lawsuit and get a judge that's actually going to be a constitutional judge, not a bunch of these liberal hacks. So, all right. I wanted to um, l let me just take a minute here before we get to the very end of the show. And I just want to thank uh, some of our sponsors. And uh, one of the main ones has been a main uh, big sponsor starting all the way back before I even did podcasts. But when I did a local radio show was Monty Hecker with Elite Universal Security. And so Monty has been a great encourager and promoter of the show. Uh, he's also been one of the key guys in the in the two county area, Yuba Sutter counties in Northern California. What we call we, we like to call the state of Jefferson. We want to we want to have our own state up here. Uh, but Bonnie Hecker has been a a big help 
in terms of backing propositions and politicians that back the people, not the government, and uh, reduce taxes and uh, are pro-life, pro-people, you know, not undermining people, uh, supportive of the Second Amendment. In fact, Monty, I think, has his own shooting range. It's amazing. But Monty uh, can actually uh, put you to work. If you're looking for work, you can reach out to him. And I'm going to give you their phone number and their website. Uh, Their phone number is 530-749-0280. They are looking for honest people, that, and you don't even have to know the business, the guard business. If you do, that's great. Maybe you're a retiree from the military or from some other profession. You'd like to just do some part-time work. I met one of my friends from high school, and uh, he's retired. And I said, oh, how'd you get into this? He said, Lou, I was bored to death. I didn't want to stay home, and so I thought I'd do some of this part-time. And so he didn't even know it, but he's working for Monty. So uh, 749-0280 if you want to go to work. They will train you, and then they'll put you to work. And uh, you don't have to be in Yuba County. That's where they're located. But you could be in any of the 20-some counties up here. These guys are operating counties all over Northern California. So uh, also, if you want to sign the petition, I've said over and over again, the recall petition. One of these days, we're not going to be pushing this recall anymore. We're going to have it on the ballot and then vote on it and get over with it. But uh, at 5548 Feather River Boulevard in Yuba County, just south of Marysville, you can Get petitions there. They'll give out petitions. You can go get them signed, or you can just put your name on the one there and uh, be done with it. So the other the other group, uh, I was talking to Dave Granitz the other night. We were at church together, and uh, he said, Lou, I'm just, I got tons of business right now. Just, you know, just, even though I went through this whole COVID thing, he said, I just got one one customer after another customer after another customer wants kitchens and baths, baths remodeled, et cetera, et cetera. So that's good news. And uh, But like I was kidding him, I said, hey, if you want the best, you got to wait, you know. And so um, so I, I would recommend it because I all you have to do is go. Uh, you'll convince yourself. The work convinced itself. It speaks for itself. So you can go to greenitzconstruction.com, green with E-T-Z on the end, construction.com, all one word. Uh, or you could go to Dave Greenitz Construction. That's a Facebook page, and you can see the work that they do. And it's like, hey, I don't think you're going to fuss around with an unknown. You know, if you hire somebody on somebody's word, just on somebody's word, but you really haven't seen their work or you don't know whether they're reliable, do they show up on time, do they answer your phone calls, do they hang in there with you when you're having a difficult time with a project? Uh, you may not, right? Or do they get behind and ask you to front money to them? None of that, none of that weird stuff is going to happen with Greenwich Construction because I know them. You know, I, I, uh, I would not recommend people on here that I don't use. So uh, you can reach them at six eight two nine six zero two five three zero six eight two nine six zero two and he'll likely answer the phone, but if he doesn't, you get voicemail, he's going to call you right back. And finally, the plumbing doctor, Ted Holmes, a friend of mine for over 40 years, he is a plumbing doctor. It's 530-671-9111. Everybody needs a plumber sometime unless the plumber lives with you. Then you got it dialed in. 
but most people end up with indoor plumbing is really nice, but it don't always work. So then you need to get a plumber in there to sort it out. I saw somebody post a uh, guy. In fact, as a guy I took to Vietnam with me, um, China smuggling Bibles way back, way, way back. And he was showed a video on Facebook of his dishwasher pouring water out from the bottom of it. And uh, he had a pan under it catching dripping water. And he was saying, anybody out there know how to fix this dishwasher? I said, dude needs a plumber. That's what he needs, or appliance guy, either one. So, okay, so those are the guys helping keep this, keep the wheels on this thing. So those of you who have followed KMYC, Tom Huth, uh, the owner of KMYC, died. His wife then sold the business, and right after it got in the process of being sold, somebody burned it down. And uh, so they moved the station, the... Uh, the uh, control boards and all the in-house stuff, not the transmitters, but all the gobbledygook stuff that they, you use in the studio. And they moved it over to 4th Street in Marysville at the Hart Building. I call it the Hart Building. It's one of the tallest buildings in Marysville. So they built a studio over there where another radio station is called 93Q, which is a, um, a nonprofit community-based station, low-power low FM and uh, Bob Fischetti, and um, and his partner Ken. Uh, I'm trying to think of Ken's name. It escapes me right now. It's late at night here. I'm getting tired. But um, Ken and and Bob put together an amazing station. It's doing great in the community. Huge uh, benefit to the community. So they have now lent their help to get KMYC up running again and uh, under er Ernie Friesen. And so it looks like it's getting close. They've been running simulcasts uh, on that station uh, where you just, you know, all electronic broadcasting. And they've got some good programs there, KMYC, that's 14, 10 a.m. Uh, but they're getting ready to get it back on the air in terms of doing live shows. That's where I started, and I did a live show every Saturday morning. Um uh, and uh, so it worked out really great. I'd, I'd never done anything like that before, but they're getting very close to getting back on their feet. So anyway, I want to go down down here and I'll I'll pick up a couple other things here for. Uh, oh, I, I, I heard about the super. Uh, I heard about the Super Bowl. I, I didn't watch the Super Bowl. I'm not interested in pro sports anymore because they they uh, have uh, shamed shamed themselves and uh, mocked the uh, those who have given their lives for our country and uh, disgraced the country. They're a disgrace to the country. So this one guy says, "Do not fear the enemy, for they can only take your life. Fear the media, for they will destroy your honor." So this one guy says, I heard this, this is a horrible rendering of the Star Spangled Banner, which is a very, to me, it's a sacred song. And uh, so he says this, uh, this Marine Corps colonel in, in Afghanistan, uh, I guess he saw the uh, disgusting Star Spangled Banner, and then he gave this... Uh, some comments about it I want to read to you. 
So we're going to take a break here, and we'll be right back, and uh, we'll finish our final All right, just when I thought America couldn't get any dumber, you idiots just proved me wrong every single time. Read this. Low-key racist, how Brady won a Super Bowl during Black History Month. Something about Tom Brady winning a Super Bowl during Black History Month just feels racist. And these are the best. Tom Brady beat Mahomes on Black History Month. Fucking racist. Tom Brady, racist asshole, stole the win from a black man during Black History Month. Like, I, like I don't, I don't know, I don't get it. Like, then there's more tweets about that. Like, am, am I the stupid one? Am I the crazy one? I don't get it. I'm sorry, I just don't get. I don't get it. Now I know what they mean when they say Gen Z is built different. Cause they are built special. Yeah. So Tom Brady's being called a racist for winning a Super Bowl during Black History Month. Were they supposed to postpone it till next month? I mean, I know the Chiefs got stomped pretty bad, and it looks like it was only Tom Brady playing, but, I mean, are, are any of these dudes going to get their recognition? This is the moment when cancel culture canceled the whole team. My name is Joe Patrick, and I'm here to talk to you today about Morgan Wallen. A lot of you guys think this is the Confederate flag and you're offended by it and you're like, oh my gosh, the funny thing about this is this isn't the Confederate flag. This is. But you didn't know it because you're more interested in being offended by what people say you should be offended by. You also aren't offended by non-black celebrities using the N-word. If you were, you would have canceled Justin Bieber in 2014 when he used the N-word. Robert Downey Jr., Jennifer Lopez, Eminem, when the tape surfaced of him rapping before he was famous, where he used the N-word. The question is not, did Morgan Wallen use a racial slur? The question is, was he being racist in doing so? And I would argue that he was not. The person that he called the N-word wasn't even black. He also said it ending in an A because he meant it as an endearing term, which he could have only learned from black cultures. I would say, Morgan, you should probably have used your white privilege card to get out of this one, but even the white privilege card wouldn't have helped you. You'd been better off having a black card. Apparently you can burn, loot, riot, murder, and not a big deal. We picked your addicted. no way to stop it. Sometimes I want to go back to the flip phone. One of those ones I see on TV, they have these phones for old people. With the, with the giant buttons like floor tiles. You ever see that commercial? <laughs> These old people phones, two buttons. Your kid, ambulance. That's it. <laughs> Forget the numbers. You don't need the numbers. So this Marine Corps colonel says, so with all the kindness I can muster, I give this one piece of advice to the next pop star who is asked to sing the national anthem at a sporting event. Save the vocal gymnastics and the physical gyrations for your concerts. Just sing this song the way you were taught to sing it in kindergarten, straight up, no styling. Sing it with the constant awareness that there are soldiers, sailors, airmen, and Marines watching you from bases and outposts all over the world. 
Don't make them cringe with your self-centered ego gratification. Sing it as if you are standing before a row of 96-year-old World War II vets wearing their purple hearts, silver stars, and flag pins on their cardigans, and you want them to be proud of you for honoring them and the country they love. Not because you want them to think you are a superstar musician. They could see that from your costume, makeup, and your entourage. Sing the Star Spangled Banner with the courtesy and humility that tells the audience that it is about America, not about you. And please, not everything needs to be spunked up. We're getting a little weary of that. Francis Scott Key does not need any help. Simplify. Now, you've probably read or seen where Mark Cuban, or Cuban, uh, the the wealthy computer guy, he owns the Dallas Mavericks, and he has told his players to not worry about kneeling or standing for the national anthem because he quit playing it. They don't even recognize America before each meeting. It'd be a thrill to see some terrorist group or some weirdo group blow his arena up, and then he would probably freak out and have firefighters streaming over and cops and all kinds of people want to solve this and risk their lives, right, to get his Dallas Mavericks back playing again. I don't know whether you've ever heard of G.K. Chesterton, G.K. Chesterton. You ever heard of him? I've heard of him mainly in quotes. I've never read any of his books, but he's a political figure. Uh, He he lived... uh, He died in June 1936. He was an English writer, philosopher, lay, lay theologian, and literary and art critic. He's been referred to as the Prince of Paradox. Time magazine observed of his writing style. Whenever possible, Chesterton made his points with popular sayings, proverbs, allegories, first carefully turning them inside out. So he wrote a couple books, The Everlasting Man and Orthodoxy. I think like C.S. Lewis, it may be a little slow reading, thick reading, you know, but his quotes are provocative. He said, Bolshevism, do you know what Bolshevism is? Let me read it to you. Because uh, we used to teach, get, I, actually in college I took a, a course on Soviet, Soviet culture by an actual Russian. Bolshevism is a revolutionary Marxist current of political thought and totalitarian political regime regime associated with the formation of a rigidly centralized, cohesive, and disciplined party of social revolution. I want you to think of our government as it has become, against the Founding Fathers' wishes, a centralized, cohesive, and disciplined government. It's focused, Bolshevism is focused on overthrowing the existing capitalist state system. Now, if you overthrow the capitalist state system of the United States, you're going to have Venezuela. I'll guarantee it. I've been to Russia when Russia was bigger than the United States, big, a lot bigger. 
And when it collapsed, there was no food on the, on the shelves. Hardly any. In other words, 20, 30. Did you see the toilet paper shelves during the COVID deal when it started? Looked like somebody just went through and mowed through them. That's how the food shelves looked in, in uh, Russia when I was there, right after the fall. It's, they want to overthrow existing capitalist state system, seizing power and establishing the dictatorship of the proletariat. Dictatorship. I want you to just hold that thought. So Chesterton said, Bolshevism and big business, who, who stayed open during COVID? Big business. Bolshevism and big business are very much alike, he said. They are both built on the truth that everything is easy and simple if once you eliminate liberty. I want you to say, I want to say that again. Bolshevism and big businesses, big business are both built on the truth that everything is easy and simple if once you eliminate liberty. And the real ir- irreconcilable enemy of both is what may be called small business. Didn't I just say this earlier? I said small business, that's why they shut down all your small businesses under the term non-essential because they are the biggest thorn in the side of Bolshevism and communism, small business. They hate it. They hate the independence, the freedom that people have. Bolshevism and big business are very much alike. That's why the big box stores are a part of the problem. They're a part of the communist problem. And they sold out to the Bolsheviks. Big box stores, Amazon, Home Depot, Lowe's, all the big stores. Okay? So then he said, it is terrible to comp... comp can't talk here tonight. I'm about done here. It is terrible to contemplate how few politicians are hanged. Isn't this interesting? This is Chester, Chesterton. And uh, he was in Europe and died in the 1930s. But he said, it is terrible to contemplate how few politicians are hanged. Why would he say that? The reason he said that is because many of them generously deserve hanging or shooting, firing squad, life imprisonment, because they're perverts, they're trafficking in sexual baloney, they're liars. They uh, they cheat the public. They manipulate people. They t- they treat them like peasants. Like uh, the governor of California just referred to people in California like peasants. Bolshevism is and big business are alike. They are both built on the truth that everything is easy and simple if once you eliminate liberty. They want to eliminate liberty. How do they do that? telling you to wear a mask, telling you to stay home, telling telling you everywhere you look, TV and and YouTube, post it everywhere. Stay home, stay inside. We even got the Yuba City Fire Department for goodness sake, stay home for Valentine's. Screw you. I'm not going to stay home. I I don't have to do anything for Valentine's. I'm not going to stay home just because some government agency tells me to stay home. If you want to stay home, stay home. You want to give your car away, give up a car, go green injury, give up your car. I'm going to drive a big old gas hog. I don't care what I'm, what you want me to do. It's a fire department coming out with this 
propaganda showing a big heart with stay home. I thought, screw you people. You're crazy. You're crazy. So this is no surprise. This communist takeover is coming at you. This is not a conspiracy theory. This is coming at you. Eyes wide open. Pay attention, baby. Now, all this talk about, did you notice that hydroxychloroquine, when Trump brought it up as a likely uh, remedy without ever going to the hospital, no matter what age you are, hydroxychloroquine, Z-Packs, and zinc. And they mocked him, they screamed, they hollered, they cut their arms, they freaked out. Fauci said it's very dangerous, it hasn't had any studies, da-da-da-da-da. Fauci's a liar. He actually endorsed the studies years ago. All the while, the world is having a vaccine frenzy. The Indian government is distributing a home COVID kit. What's in the home COVID kit? Isn't this interesting? If they really wanted to help people and keep people healthy, why wouldn't the this federal government put together a home COVID kit and just give them away, right? Some of my friends bought a home COVID kit. You know what they did? They bought hydroxychloroquine online and prepared in case they got it. So if you get it, you take the hydroxychloroquine, Z-Pack, and zinc, and it knocks it out in 24 hours. You think, oh, I can't be. Yes, it can be. It did. So the Indian government's distributing a home COVID kit. What do you think's in it? Indians are smart. They're very smart people. And so the COVID kit has what? Zinc? Doxycycline. That's like a Z-Pack. Zinc, doxycycline, and ivermectin. Ivermectin, right? That's like, it's simpler, a, a, a product like hydroxychloroquine. Ivermectin. You know how much it costs to produce this kit? $2.65 per person. $2.65. You know how much money we're spending on all this crap? Masks. You see masks laying all over the parking lot. Mask, 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 mask. All the signage, posting decals on the floor, buying tents to house people outside to eat when it's blazing hot or cold outside. So the, the, the Indian pack going to every home that wants one. $2.65 per person, and it contains zinc, dioxycycline, which is like a Z-Pack, and ivermectin, which is, I think that's what Trump took ivermectin when he was sick. It's just incredible, people. We could have just done this, and we wouldn't have lost any elderly people in in care homes. We wouldn't have lost any. No, you remember all the ventilators they built and then they, they sent them overseas because they didn't have anything. To, they didn't know what to do with them. These brand new ventilators, they just sent them overseas, gave them away. And people overseas weren't, they don't want ventilators. They're using this, they're, they're using these, this product here, this uh, kit as a prophylactic pro. You know what a prophylactic is? It's not a condom. Prophylactic is a medicine that keeps you from getting sick, keeps you from getting it, right? Or if you start getting symptoms, it knocks them down right away. 
It could have been very simple, people, but they didn't want it to be simple. They did not want it. You know something? We got Dr. Lou here locally. You're going to read an article about her on my Live with Lou page. If you go there, please like it or follow it or both. And let's let's build a big cadre of people on that page learning the truth. Dr. Lou told doctors they didn't want them to treat COVID patients. So you just let them get really bad. Then you send them to the hospital, put them in the ICU. Then you complain about, oh, my God, we're overrunning the ICU. Yeah, because you set it up that way. You created the crisis, and now you're managing the crisis by telling everybody to hide in, hide in their closets. So we got to get the ICU down we got it it's it's loaded it's overflowing you have to stay in your closet so you don't get it so we're not going to send you over there why don't they give everybody ivermectin two dollars and 65 cents per person ivermectin a z-pack right and zinc and take some vitamin d no problem why don't you do that because they don't want to do that they they want you to get good and sick and then they want you to take the vaccine because they're going to give you a vaccine next year and next year and next year and next year and next year. You're just going to be just like a big old bull or a sheep. They just vaccinate the crap out of you. And so uh, Dr. Lou didn't treat people, sent them home sick, no medicine. Hospitals sent them home sick, no medicine. But then if you got really sick, then they'd admit you to the ICU and they'd get like 29 or 39. I've lost track of how much 39, 29 or 39,000 spiff from the federal government for every COVID patient. So what they've done is jacked up the numbers nationally on how many people have COVID. How they do that by they they redefined how a person died. They falsified millions of death certificates or thousands of death certificates. And they falsified millions of tests. These PCR tests, totally baloney. Just absolute fraud liars. They're liars, all of them. That thing has a 90, over 90% false positive. In other words, it's saying you have it. It doesn't mean you have any symptoms. You're not sick with it. It's just in your system. You had, maybe you had it, but you're, you're, you didn't even know you had it. Your immune system knocked it out. But it says you had it, but you're not sick from it. And, it, and what they're saying is uh, 90, over 90% false. They told you a lie because they don't have, because here's the way real doctors do it. If they have a test, they test you, but then they look at your symptoms and you think, well, you tested positive for that, but you look healthy as a horse. Your blood pressure is fine. Your temperature is fine. You, they look down your throat. They look up your nose. They look in your ears. They look in your eyes. And they look at the whole person. It's a holistic evaluation, not just some shove a, shove a snake up your nose or in your butt. It's it's totally ridiculous. It's barbaric is what it is. Shoving something up your nose. Are you kidding me? Something that can be controlled by a $2.65 packet? This is the kind of packet that I pick up in Vietnam when I'm over there. Z-Packs. Costs about $2. And now the whole thing for ivermectin, Z-Pack, 
This is how this is like India is like Vietnam. That's how much drugs cost over there. You come over here, you can 10 times that or 20 times the cost. It's ridiculous. That's why Trump did such an amazing deal to lower the drug prices. What did they do right as soon as Biden and Harris got in? They they raised the they told him to raise the drug prices again. It's just it's absolutely nuts. And all these Biden people voted for him. Honestly, I don't watch any media hardly. I don't do anything more. It, it's such a it's such a uh, giving me such angst. It just driving me totally nuts. If I was smoking weed right now, I would be staying stoned from the moment I got up to the moment I go to bed at night. Now the other thing. I don't think I'm going to have time to talk about this. It's, I don't think I'm going to have time. I was going to talk about Section 230 that's protecting the big media corporations. I'm talking about the social media, Twitter, Facebook, YouTube, all these people. And, and, uh, I just don't have time to get into the whole deal now. Let me just see what's left here. Oh, let me just skip that, and I'm not going to do that 2.30 thing. I'll do it next time. Do you remember Aunt Jemima? Aunt Jemima. You know, they're purging all these blacks. Uncle Ben, Aunt Jemima, they they, they eliminated the Sambos uh, breakfast places years ago. And the whole thing is that somehow white people were manipulating or exploiting black people or mocking black people. This Aunt Jemima was the sort of the figurehead for a wonderful syrup that I always preferred on my pancakes. And uh, PepsiCo bought them out. But here's the deal. These blacks that were noted like Aunt Jemima, I'm trying to look for her her picture or her name. Okay, here we go. There's this gal. uh, So last year they wrote about her. And they removed Aunt Jemima because they said it was racist. Having a black woman's picture. Well, whose picture do you think they're going to put on there now? Do you think they're going to put a white person on there or a yellow person, brown person? So now they just have a picture of some building on there, right? Instead of a personality like Aunt Jemima made you feel good looking at her. So now uh, Aunt Jemima was an African-American woman named Lillian Richard, who served as a goodwill ambassador for the brand in 1925 and worked for Quaker Oats for 23 years until she died in 1956. Lillian Richard became one of the highest paid black women in America. She was like an Oprah Winfrey type person, right? She, she was a cash cow because she was in the right place at the right time, a nice-looking person. And today, we don't say anything negative about all these gals stripping their clothes off, these black gals, and, and making a lot of money off their bodies and singing songs and strutting around and, and selling uh, products with their body and their face, and uh, whether it's perfume or whether it's uh, lingerie or clothing or or cars or whatever we don't say we don't say we're exploiting their race their race or their ethnicity we don't say anything about that but all of a sudden all these older people who actually made that gal made a really great living and her own family says we think this is a shame that you're taking her off it's a, it's a sign of disrespect 
This the Richards family said of Lillian Richard, we want the world to know that our cousin Lillian was one of the one of the Aunt Jemimas and she made an honest living by doing that. We would ask that you reconsider wiping all that away. She was considered a hero in Hawkins, which is the city she lived in, and we are proud of that. The woman was a hero. She was a star. Today, so what's up with these black women being movie stars? We're not exploiting them, particularly when we take their clothes off, strip off, have sex right on the film, right? Do weird stuff, right? We're not exploiting those women, showing their bodies to make a living. That's not explo- exploitation. Uh, that's not exploitation of black women trying to, you know, fantasize about having sex with them while you're watching them on a movie screen or something like that. That's not exploitation. She said she was considered a hero. And according to Harris, Richard made an honest living out of it for a number of years by touring around Texas during a time when it was very, very difficult for a black woman even to get jobs. So in erasing Aunt Jemima to please the insatiable woke mob, PepsiCo is actually destroying the legacy of an African-American icon. So whether, uh, you know, I don't know whether you ever had ever purchased land, land of lakes, uh, it's a type. It's a dairy product. You can, you can buy cream or whipping cream or butter. They removed a uh, a Native American woman off there because they thought that was discriminating. I I never I never thought any kind of black person or ethnic person, Tropicana used to be called Tropic Anna, not Tropicana, but Tropic Anna. I've never ever thought. Oh well, we're taking we're we're you know we're gonna keep them under our thumb or we're manipulating them or we're ripping them off or we're doing this. This has gone totally nuts. I mean, it's the same people that are tearing down statues of Abraham Lincoln and calling him a racist. Unbelievable. Well, we're done. I think we're done. We did one, two. Yeah, we did six segments. So uh, we're calling it quits. So we'll catch you, uh, the Lord willing, on the uh, 219. Okay. That'll be the next one. Oh, no, is it 220 maybe? Okay, have a good day. God bless you. Bye-bye. We're so glad to see so many of you lovely people here tonight. We would especially like to welcome all the representatives of Illinois' law enforcement community who have chosen to join us here in the Palace Hotel Ballroom at this time. We certainly hope you all enjoy the show. And remember, people, that no matter who you are and what you do to live, thrive, and survive, there's still some things that make us all the same. You, me, them. Sugar